Hello and welcome to the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley, and this is a very special, one-of-a-kind episode dedicated to Star Wars. Star Wars is one of those topics that means so much to so many people. It's a topic that I know from asking previous guests before have found very daunting to talk about just because it spans so many decades and generations and there's so many different iterations and characters. There's, there's basically too much to talk about. And often one or two guests feel perhaps a little bit intimidated taking on this topic on their own. But I knew it was a topic that I wanted to address on this podcast. It's something that I personally have a lot of love for and I know many other people do as well. So I had an idea. Why not ask as many people as possible to send in their thoughts, their experiences, their love for this franchise? And I got an amazing response. After reaching out to all of my previous guests, 19 of these wonderful people were able to come back to me with their thoughts, feelings, and even their experiences with Star Wars. And that is what I'd like to share with you today. So before we get into that, I'd like to thank each and every one of them personally at the beginning of this podcast. A special thanks to Helen O'Hara from the Empire podcast, Richard Oliver from the Chasing Tone podcast, Tom Davies from the Proper Mental podcast, Claire Brunton from the W-Rated podcast, Ben from the Skip to the End podcast, Joshua Glenn and Andrew Godian from Ramblin and Amblin podcast, Ryan Strike from the Basement podcast, Russell Bailey from the Not Just for Kids podcast, James Rodriguez from the Invasion of the Potty People podcast, Clarice Lockery from the Fade to Black podcast, Cameron Harrison from the Green Shirts podcast, Evan Sizemore from the G-Score podcast, Richard Wilshire and David Curtis from the Unequal Sequel podcast, Matthew Brothers from Spotlight, Sudden Double Deep, and Is Paul Dano OK podcasts, Jordan King, Jonathan Stratman, and Dr. Christopher Hood. A massive thank you to each and every one of you for sending me in some fantastic clips to put into this episode. I've done my best to edit them all together and include as much information as possible that was given to me by each guest. As you can imagine, there was a lot with 19 of them, but it was all wonderful stuff. So I've weaved it together into a sort of narrative celebrating the history and impact of Star Wars. Right, that's enough from me. Let's get to the episode. This is Star Wars with, well, everyone. We begin our story on May 25th, 1977. This was a long-awaited day for one very tired and very stressed-out filmmaker called George Lucas. George had been working tirelessly over the last few years to get his vision of a cinematic space opera off the ground. He had been met with continuous resistance from day one, from producers to members of his own crew on set, and even actors outrightly telling him to his face that they just didn't see what he was going for. They didn't believe that this was going to work. And after going over budget and over time, and having so much stress during the process that he'd even lost his voice at one point, George was just anxious to get this out to the public. And the day finally arrived. But what was going to happen next would completely blow him away. From the moment that John Williams' score kicked in and that huge title card along with the opening crawl hit the screen, audiences and critics alike were hooked. 
They were drawn into this incredible world that George had so tirelessly worked to bring to life on screen. What's more, they find themselves invested in the story that was being told right in front of their eyes of a young simple farm boy on a far off desert planet dreaming of bigger things and meeting the hero Ben Kenobi who would show him the ways of the Force. Not to mention the charismatic smuggler Han Solo and his imposing yet cuddly sidekick Chewbacca. Together they hopped onto the Millennium Falcon and raced to rescue Princess Leia from the clutches of the terrifying Darth Vader who held her prisoner on the Death Star. After a daring rescue, our heroes take flight in an epic space battle in order to destroy this terrifying weapon of mass destruction and save the galaxy, an event which had audiences cheering in the cinema. success of this film was beyond anything George Lucas could have possibly have imagined, earning hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office and sold out screenings across the country. It was safe to say this was a success. Also, as a nice added bonus, thanks to what is probably one of the biggest business blunders in all of history, George Lucas was left with the entire merchandising rights for the franchise. And needless to say, after seeing the movie, Many a child, and let's face it, adult, wanted some kind of action figure or replica of their favourite characters or spaceships. So much so that the original suppliers of the merchandise, Kenner Products, struggled to meet the ever-growing demand. Famously, they even sent out blank packaging acting as a sort of voucher for toys that you could then cash in at a later date when they actually had the time and the resources to make them. Needless to say, this has made George Lucas a very very wealthy man. But more than that, the merchandise helped to cement Star Wars into the consciousness of the public. It became a huge part of this franchise, probably just as big as the movies themselves. And for many of my guests, they became an important part of their childhood. The toys were massive in the 80s. Anyone that tells you anything otherwise wasn't there. You, you had to have a collection of figures, you had to have some of the play sets, you had to have some of the ships, and they weren't cheap. Uh, I mean, they were compared to what they cost now, but back then, I think, I think when I got the Millennium Falcon, which was the most exciting Christmas gift I'd ever been given, I think it probably cost about £20 in the shops. I think now you'd be lucky to be able to find even a battered one for ten times that, so would have been a good investment but i digress i loved the toys I, i'd collected about 40 of the figures i had a few of the ships i had uh, an x-wing i had a land speeder 
Uh, I never had an ATAT. My, my richer friends had the ATATs. I did have a Scout Walker. I had quite a lot of the Return of the Jedi bits. So I had a Scout Walker. I had the speeder bike. I remember playing with those things. But, uh, yeah, never got any of the really, really exotic things. But the one that I really loved was Boba Fett and his ship, which uh, we are reliably informed used to be called Slave One, but uh, apparently that's not nice anymore. So... We'll move on swiftly, uh, but it had a gravity-controlled wing and seat, which just absolutely fascinated me as a kid. So, yeah, loved the toys. I had so many toys, um, lots and lots of the figures. My particular favourites were Snaggletooth and Bosk. Um, he was one of the bounty hunters who crops up very, very briefly in Empire Strikes Back. I had a large Millennium Falcon that was big enough to put the figures inside and also a battle scene from Hoth. And to go with that, there was also the Ice Monster, which one of the arms, I think just one of the arms, maybe both of them, I can't remember now, would actually swing. So you could take a swipe at Luke Skywalker or whatever. I assume there's some sort of elastic band on the inside. I also had a so-called remote control R2-D2. As far as I remember, it was actually connected to the remote by a wire um, rather than being truly remote control. I loved collecting Star Wars toys when I was a kid, especially uh, during the early and mid 90s when the special edition films were becoming, were about to be released and then were being released. There was just a, the floodgates of the heavens opened up with all of the uh, Star Wars merch. It, there was a lot of re-releases and there was a lot of new uh, versions of the classic figures that had come out in years prior. And I just ate that stuff up. I had I had the Han Solo and the Darth Vader and the Luke Skywalker and R2-D2 and C-3PO action figures. I had the Jawas. I had all of that stuff, and I loved it. Um, I also absolutely loved collecting those uh, miniature vehicles like the TIE Fighters and the X-Wings and Y-Wings and Star Destroyers. They were almost like the uh, matchbox or Hot Wheel car versions of the, the ships. They were all only about maybe an inch or so in diameter. And I loved playing with those things. Um, I also collected a lot of the Star Wars Lego Legos back when the um, the original um, the original trilogy was re-released in the '90s, and then during some of the earlier prequel movies, I collected a lot of those Legos. Especially did I love um, the Pod Racers, the Lego Pod Racers. I had a, a blue Snaggletooth. Uh, originally, Snaggletooth's uniform was red, but for the film, the um, the toy makers at Kenner couldn't get hold of a colour picture. They had a black and white picture to go on, and it was only a half shot. So they accidentally made him too tall and gave him a blue uniform, when in fact he was quite a short fellow with a red uniform. So collected all the loose figures. Then I moved on to buying the carded figures in the late 90s, early noughties. Um, it was expensive back then, but no way near what it is now. So I, I managed to pick up every single um, carded figure eventually. Uh, I had some really good ones, including a 21-back Boba Fett. Boba Fett, of course, only came out in uh, Empire Strikes Back. 21-backs were the last series of Star Wars carded figures. So getting Boba Fett with a Star Wars header on the front of the, the figure package was really rare um i think i sold it for 800 pounds i think i'd get 10 times that if i had it today uh so not that i'm bitter or in, in other words you know completely kicking myself daily for the stupidity but yeah 
I am. Um, I basically sold the lot when I ran out of uh, short-term funds, and uh, also, to be honest, the three prequel films made me think there was no value left in that franchise. I've kind of been proved completely wrong, even though the amount of collectibles around now are insane. But yeah, I had everything uh, that I ever wanted as a kid. Uh, as an adult, I bought that Atat. I had the Death Star playset. I had the uh, Imperial Star Destroyer playset. I had the Jabba the Hutt playset. I had Jabba's Torture Dungeon, which didn't even make it to the UK, but I was like, I'm buying everything. So yeah, I... In my 20s and 30s, I completely overspent on Star Wars toys. And then in my mid-30s, sold the lot when I moved house and have been kicking myself ever since. So, yeah, loved the toys. Uh, didn't keep much, kept a couple of pieces. One of them, which I, I love, is a proof card for Chewbacca's uh, figure. So the proof cards are the kind of printer's proofs. This was with the return of the Jedi logo. Uh, this, sorry, this was with the Revenge of the Jedi logo, which was the title of Return of the Jedi before uh, it was released. Uh, and they sort of printed out all the, the card backs for some of these figures, and then they changed the name to Return because Revenge wasn't a very Jedi-like thing, according to George. So we had loads of toys. We had a big Millennium Falcon with figures that could fit into them. We had loads of different characters with little guns and t little outfits so i loved just taking they had like their plastic but then they had little extra like fabric coats and stuff you could put on them so i had great fun just dressing them all up in each other's outfits and i loved playing with the spaceships like closing the doors and things like that weird lame toy playing i know <laughs> um but yeah we had loads of those figurines and up until last year we actually found them out of millennium falcon up in uh, the attic and we gave it away um to someone but it was really cool and really fun my earliest memories of Star Wars is probably the merchandise and the toys before anything else. I remember having some of the toys when I was a kid and I've got an older cousin and he had a lot of the toys and I remember being obsessed with them and there was an attention to detail in those toys that was like no other toys that were around at the time. You know my cousin he had the AT Walker, he had the Scout Walker um, and I think he had the Falcon as well and they all had like these cool little like doors and like things in them you know these like nooks and crannies and yeah they were really detailed and the figures you could get all the different versions to have all the different parts of the film so with like luke skywalker you could have fighter pilot luke you could have jedi luke you could have stormtrooper luke and all the different versions and that was really cool all the different mad aliens and stuff you could get and my favorite i think was the jab of the heart the like throne thing that he sits on and it had that slidey trap door so people could like fall through and go to battle beneath him. When I was a kid, I had a Padme Amidala doll. Well, it was her in her, her throne room get up with the red dress and the gigantic like hair croissant. Um, and I was so obsessed with it <laughs> because I just, I wanted to know how the hair worked and how I could get the hair because I wanted to be her and look like her and be as beautiful and cool as Queen Amidala. <laughs> uh, I, I wish I still had that doll because it brought me a lot of joy. So I've had toys in my time from the series. I've definitely had, there was this one figure of one of the rebels in his snow attire that I've had for a really long time. I think I, did a, I got it at a car boot sale and that stayed with me for a very long time, but I think it's now passed on to one of my siblings. I definitely had a Stormtrooper too. 
It's a very long time ago. I had lots of the micro machines. I was a very uh, big micro okay. machines fan. Yeah. And I remember when they, they first released mm. the Star Wars collection or whatever they're called, series. Yeah. And I went mental on it. I have uh I bought Qui-Gon I got Qui-Gon Jin's lightsaber, which is just a basic it doesn't light nice. up or make noise. You just flick a switch, fling it forward, and the green lightsaber comes out. Yeah. I have it to cool. this day. Yeah. Luke's and Darth's. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a lot of Star Wars toys and video games and books and TV shows that I enjoy and have collected an unhealthy amount of affiliated media and merchandise for. Um, immediate standouts for me. Uh, I have been very fortunate that I have got a Kylo Ren lightsaber which I very proudly display in my house. I didn't have a lot of Star Wars toys, or maybe any, but my friend Dario did. And I used to go around to Dario's house and we would basically play with Star Wars toys the entire time. So, so yes, I loved the toys, but I didn't personally have them. I was too busy collecting Care Bears and My Little Ponies because I was even less cool than the people who owned Star Wars toys. I had a friend, well, my family friend, and they were called the Jenses, and... The two sons were obsessed, like, and I think I think more the dad was obsessed with Star Wars. So um, they had I can't, every toy I can imagine. Uh, they collected them, put them in little bags, all the toys. Wow. And the film itself still holds up in the eyes of the fans. New Hope has to be my favorite, just because you know it's the one that started it all, and it is. Everything about it is just so pure and also just like watching it knowing that this was not a guaranteed hit. This was just a, a gamble that a producer took on on George Lucas. Uh, that's what makes it so special to me. And just like just knowing all the all the struggles it went through uh, to get made. I think that's just really, really cool. And for, for it to have turned out so good it, as it did for uh different people involved like uh i think it's like marcia lucas and john williams just pretty much elevating what could have been a disaster and have it having it work so well and i don't not only work that well but uh there are still like you know lego star wars the skywalker saga uh like this little movie from 1977 was so successful doing what it set out to do and sticking in the cultural consciousness that they're still making a video game based on it in 2022. That's wild. Naturally, the success of the franchise and the head of steam that was building up with all the merchandise meant that there was a high demand for a sequel. And on May 21st, 1980, the world got what is probably one of the greatest sequels of all time in The Empire Strikes Back. This movie was a complete tonal shift for the franchise and saw our heroes basically on the back foot for the entire film. And it also included one of cinema's greatest revelations. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father? He told me enough. He told me you killed me, Luke. I am your father. 
one of my guests was fortunate enough to see all of this unfold right in front of his eyes in the cinema. Star Wars was one of the first films I ever saw in the cinema. Um, I don't really remember the very first film, A New Hope, as it's now called, uh, but my cousins reliably informed me that I was taken there. I do very much remember The Empire Strikes Back, though. I think I would have been five years old. My cousin Vivian took me to see it uh, in Southampton. Possibly the Gaumont, but I don't know really what the name of the cinema was. I was five years old. Uh, and yeah, absolutely blew my mind. Everything about it. The Battle on Hoth, the Bounty Hunters, Cloud City, just everything was so vivid and vibrant. But at the same time, the story wasn't your classic happy ending story. It left me wanting more. And that was the first real science fiction film, if, if you're going to call it a science fiction film, some call it fantasy, clearly, uh, that left a mark on me. It's a film that many consider to be one of the greatest sequels of all time and possibly the greatest Star Wars film of all time. And I know a few of my guests definitely agree. My favourite is Empire. And it's... Which is great. Probably the first one I saw, probably, because I, I really can't quite remember. Um, and I just love it. I love that the bad guys win and everyone's despondent at the end. <laughs> like... <laughs> Hans in the in cased in carbonite and you know like I just I really love it. Luke's got his hand cut. Yeah, off. Luke's lost his hand. There's been the big reveal that Vader's his dad. Sorry, spoilers. Oh yeah. <laughs> just in case anyone doesn't know, <laughs> anyone in the world doesn't know. Uh, but yeah, I just love it. I love Empire. I love how you don't know where it's going to go next. You know, it just leaves you kind of like going, oh. <laughs> it's just yeah it's perfect and, and Hoff is such a good star Hoff well. is a great star I have to slice open a tom-ton and hide inside it so you don't is it a tom-ton I don't know what they, they I, think, I think we've had this discussion before we, can't, we don't can't know. remember what they're called it's not, it's not a tom-ton no it's not a tom-ton I think it's a tom-ton isn't it anyway yeah. how to that's slice just... open a creature and stick Luke inside it so he doesn't freeze to death yeah I think that's that's pretty cool yeah it's it yeah. Is a, it's just a perfect movie start to start to finish like there's no filler at all love it absolutely it takes what it. was great about star wars and then goes to another level because you see more of the the rebel bases and the rebel lines you, you see more sequel, of the dark side that is how to do a sequel yeah 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 <laughs> i think it has to be empire strikes back being in terms of um the main films um sort of in the three sets of three Partly because I just have such a long history with it. Um, the number of times I saw it when I was younger and the sort of nostalgic element of it. Um, I would say out of the nine, it is probably also the best one as well as my favourite. But my favourite is, of course, Empire Strikes Back. It's bigger, darker, more interesting. It just, it feels like it's where Star Wars kind of uh, reaches the pinnacle of what Star Wars is in that it's that space opera that drills down into one family and that kind of familial relationship that is so key to its finale. It has the terrific Hoff battle. It has a great lightsaber duel at the end. Yeah, I love Empire Strikes Back. It is my favourite. And it's probably the best. So, you know, it, it fits both that I think it's my favourite and also think it's the best of what Star Wars has been. I mean, it has to be Empire... 
It's a template for the darker second chapter for a reason, and it's everything great about the first dialed up to 11. You know, you've got Yoda, Hoth, Lando, that final duel. Oh. Even when the only Star Wars movies that existed was the original trilogy, as a kid, a child who had no real appreciation or understanding of, you know, critical thinking toward um, art and multimedia, um, I just felt myself drawn to drawn toward uh, Empire Strikes Back over the other films. And a part of the reason was one, I loved the alien setting. I thought that Hoth was a fascinating place. I absolutely loved the um, the machines or the mechs, if you want to call them that, from that film. Um, I remember as a kid just being obsessed with the the AT-ATs and the ATSTs or chicken walkers. Uh, I really loved those chicken walkers in Return of the Jedi. Um, and I can get more into that another time about my love of the the vehicles and and spaceships and all that, but. I also loved The Empire Strikes Back most because it's when the bad guys win. <laughs> and as a kid, I always loved the bad guys. And Darth Vader was just the coolest bad guy. He is like the pinnacle of what a movie villain is supposed to be. And he is just so much better in that movie than he was in A New Hope. He has a more prominent role. The suit is nice and shiny instead of looking like he just walked off of a desert planet. Um, and he he is so vicious and vehement in his single-minded uh, determination to find the rebels and specifically Luke Skywalker uh, he really felt like a force to be reckoned with like uh, almost like a um, like a force of nature you know the the battle between Vader and Luke in uh, Cloud City that is probably the best or second best it's it keeps jumping back and forth in my head between number one and number two lightsaber battle and the entire franchise i absolutely loved the film noir aesthetic of that battle uh, i loved that all the characters actually end up being put through the runger uh the ringer so to speak they're all um pressed to their limits they're all have their backs up against the wall everything that they thought they had is taken away from them Everything seems to be going wrong. And then you end on a cliffhanger. The movie doesn't even have an ending. I thought that it was just um, so captivating. I just loved that movie. Um, yeah, so I would say, though I love the original trilogy as a single unit, and I would happily refer to the first three films as one entity, if you're going to make me pick and choose, I'm probably going to go with Empire. With the incredible success of this film and the franchise at an all-time high, naturally, there was call for one more film. I mean, after all, Empire did end on a cliffhanger, so we needed that to be resolved. And so it was. On May 25th, 1983, Return of the Jedi hit cinemas. Without a doubt, the most action-packed of all three, this movie just captivated audiences as they watched our heroes band together once more to defeat the evil empire. This film did incredibly well commercially and critically, and as I've discovered from the clips that I've been sent in by my wonderful returning guests, this one seems to be the most beloved of the original trilogy. 1983, I remember the build-up to Return of the Jedi. Uh, again, I connected... Uh, the Panini sticker album. In fact, I almost completed it. I think I was two stickers out. Um, I remember buying the book of the film because 
we didn't have anything like streaming or not even VHS back then. So in order to get my early hit of the film, because, you know, I was only eight years old, nine years old when it came out. I wasn't taking myself to the cinema with my own money. Uh, so I, I got this um, book and read it cover to cover. I remember looking at the pictures of the Imperial shuttle, seeing, you know, the amazing matte photography. Uh, and I was so hyped to see this film. I, I remember picking up studio cards from our local Debenhams when they had um, uh, someone dressed as Darth Vader, Boba Fett and a stormtrooper there. It was just such an exciting time to be alive. And then finally, we go on holiday. Uh, I think it was Carnarvon in Wales. I'm not entirely sure. And on the pier, it is showing. So I convinced my parents to let me go and see it. They let me go on my own. It's the first film I ever saw on my own, Return of the Jedi. I remember sitting in probably cinema probably had a screen smaller than my current tv but back then tvs were like 15 to 21 inches so this was a big deal for me as a kid and of course stereo sound something we didn't have back uh, at home so i sit down popcorn out film comes on the whole scene in tatooine with jabba the hut and I'm absolutely mesmerized. It's my favorite film. I come out playing lightsabers. I'm going to buy a Star Wars figure that day, even if it means spending the rest of my pocket money, which is a theme that will reoccur throughout. Jedi Man is the best one, 100%. It's got the best action scenes. It's got the most memorable scenes, the most memorable wacky characters. It's got the most variation in locations. It's just awesome, I think. It's the ones I've got the strongest memories from, from my childhood anyway. And I know everyone hates on the Ewoks, but I'm down with the Ewoks, man. I think they're cool. You know, the little guys that just live in this happy-go-lucky existence, hanging out together in nature, and at the drop of the hat, they're willing to take in some strangers and go to war and put themselves at risk in the face of evil. And I just think if more people in the world had an Ewok mentality, the world would be a better place. I think most people objectively agree that Empire Strikes Back is the best movie, and, and I do too. But my favourite is Return of the Jedi. I was little when I first saw it, so I didn't hate the Ewoks as much as people do. I love the furry little buggers. And Jedi also gave us Jabba's palace and the Rancor, Princess Leia in the gold bikini, Lando Calrissian being a hero... The Battle of Endor, the redemption of Darth Vader, so much cool stuff in one movie. And it's probably the Star Wars movie that I've watched the most. My favourite movie is, honestly, maybe Return of the Jedi. Honestly. I mean, it was the first one I saw, it was my introduction to it. But, um, but I do kind of love it. And I think anybody who says that they didn't like the Ewoks as a kid is a liar. I'm just going to say that right now. But also the, the three-part action scene at the end is fantastic. I don't care who you are. Um, uh, you know, it, it's it's very closely followed by the other original two, though. Very closely. Because Empire has all the best love scenes. That whole, I happen to like nice men. I'm nice men. Ah, oh, absolutely amazing. There's never been anything better. So I'm, I'm very torn between all of the first three. But but let's go and go ahead and say Jedi just to mess with people's heads. Yeah, it's Return of the Jedi. It's still Return of the Jedi. It's still, it's still 
the best Star Wars film, <laughs> especially the free the free prong ended when there's there's attack on the moon attack, you know they're all Luke's on the Death Star and you got Lando and the Millennium Falcon just absolutely mm. taking it to town. Uh, I think it's brilliant. And thus, what started as a strange little space opera that no one believed in quickly turned into a trilogy of epic movies that changed the world forever. Naturally, people wanted to revisit these films, and so the VHS copies allowed that to happen. People were able to bring this magic into their homes and share it with the next generation. In fact, for many of my guests, that was their introduction to Star Wars, seeing one of these three amazing films at home, be it on a television rerun, a VHS copy from a parent, a relative, or a friend. Star Wars has always been a family affair for me. I was born in 1983, the same year that Return of the Jedi was released, and I grew up with that original trilogy. My mum was a huge fan, and they were regularly on in our house, and my stepdad was a huge fan too. When he married my mum, he brought with him his collection of original 70s and 80s Kenner Star Wars figures, at one point, the spare room was essentially a museum to all of its figures and ships like the Millennium Falcon. It was heaven for a kid like me. And then my little brother was born and he had no choice but to become a Star Wars fan like the rest of us. In his bedroom as a kid, my stepdad even built him a display rack to house all of his lightsabers. He had pretty much everyone you could buy, every colour under the sun. And it's been that way my whole life. Still to this day, Star Wars is a massive part of our family. We see all the films. We watch all the TV shows and we discuss them endlessly over dinner. Star Wars is a series which has meant a lot to me over the years. I remember being introduced to it as a child through, I believe, uh, Return of the Jedi was the first one I saw, I believe. It was the one which always seemed to catch when I was on TV. And I remember when the A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back were shown on ITV1. My mum recorded them on videotape and I would just endlessly rewatch them. My introduction to Star Wars came in the form of the VHS releases for the uh, new for the re-releases. So my dad rented them all from Blockbusters. I then later on got them on VHS myself. I owned them for many years and watched them a lot. But I watched them all from Blockbuster with him over a summer it was great the first one i saw in the cinemas was return of the jedi when i was very small and i loved it and i loved the ewoks and then i had to wait until it came on tv see the first one and i think i saw empire last of all of the original trilogy we grew up uh was it 97 the special editions were re-released so yeah. we grew up around the, the remastered trilogy on vhs tape my cousin had them on video and whenever I go and sleep at his house he'd always pop on A New Hope so I saw the opening to A New Hope many 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 times and then um, I think it wasn't until Phantom Menace Fever gripped the nation mm, the world Phantom I dare Menace say Fever. that I started to dig into the originals and I got them on video I think I even I, I taped them off the telly before I bought them on video this is all yeah. my boring background but it, it speaks to that kind of they were a discovered artifact, which is quite exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sense when you discover a phenomenon and you don't fully appreciate the extent of it yeah. at first. And I was always a Jedi boy. I, I, I liked New Hope fine. I could <laughs> never finish Empire. I always got super bored in Empire. And Jedi, I used to adore. And I watched Jedi over and over and over and over again. And uh, yeah. I think that was, that was um, 
Largely, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of it. That, 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 it's similar to our raison d'etre for doing rambling, is, is that mm-hmm. sense of cultural discovery that came with Star Wars. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I do associate it with that. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean, it was always one of my dad's favorite films, and he he had he only had a New Hope on video for whatever mm. reason, and it was it was a, a video packaging and release before the '97 um, reissues, so it was just it just said Star Wars on it. It wasn't Star Ooh, Wars and New Hope. None of that New Hope um, nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> so that was my introduction to it, and I it felt like that was the only one for me for a long time, and then it wasn't until like you say Phantom Menace Fever that it kind of got into uh, all the, the original trilogy was on TV and recorded it then. So my first introduction to Star Wars, uh, I was actually a little older in life. I was in junior high, and I was—I just remember being in my parents' basement, playing on a computer, playing one of the games on our computer that we had, our one computer in the house back in the day. And I remember having the TV on and a show had come on kind of late that I was watching and all of a sudden this movie came on afterwards and I had no idea what it was and I had never heard of it. It was called Return of the Jedi. Well, I decided eh, I'll just check this out. This kind of, sounds kind of interesting. So I decided to start watching it and within the first couple minutes, obviously we know how, the movie starts and everything back in Jabba's palace and then you have the introduction of Luke Skywalker coming in and saving the day saving his buddy Han now up until this point I had never seen any other Star Wars movies hadn't really even heard of it or anything so started kind of backwards but then I told my dad the next day about watching this movie called Return of the Jedi he just sighed he's just like Oh man, I knew this day would come someday with you. <laughs> so, next thing I knew, uh, he was telling me about how there's two other movies, and immediately I was hooked. So, as with many movie related things when it comes to me, it seems, um, probably through my friend and Spotlight co host, Paul. Um, he was, he was, and still is uh, a massive Star Wars nut. Um, probably more so back back when we were younger, um, and I might not have seen the originals before meeting him when we were 11, actually. Uh, I likely got up to speed before the prequels came out, which were then the big thing happening during our school years. Um, so I've got vague memories of catching uh, some of the originals. It must be on TV or VHS, because I vividly remember the, the, the year when they first got brought out onto DVD and how big a deal that was that dvd trilogy set but i don't think i saw the um special editions in the cinema i think it must have been round paul's house on video which is an archaic uh, thing to think about <laughs> really film wise i think my introduction because my parents aren't big film fans at all no. um what i say at all I've, I've dragged them kicking and screaming uh to liking films um it would be return of the jedi that's the first one I can originally remember watching and really enjoying uh, because, you know, it had Ewoks uh, and Chewbacca was calling it and the droids did cool things and there's cool ships. And yeah, it just blew my little tiny mind at that point. And Yoda, I loved old Yoda. Didn't even watch Empire Yoda at that point. What about you? 
You can't remember, can I you? I think no, I can't really remember. I th I think it was it would have been on VHS, and it would probably have been kind of I don't know mid to late eighties, I guess. Um, so I wouldn't have seen them at the cinema. I, but I I also have this weird memory of seeing Empire Strikes Back in the cinema. But I don't I, I don't know if I've imagined that. Or if I maybe went to see it when it was when they were re-released or something, um, but I don't think I don't remember seeing them. My introduction to Star Wars was my uncle's, well, my uncle's big box VHS Star Wars collection that had Vader's helmet on it. It was like a gold box set, and um, I remember being probably maybe four, five years old. And watching the original trilogy for the first time uh, I was born in 1998 so I couldn't go to the cinema for Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones but I grew up surrounded by Star Wars thanks to thanks to my uncle's film collection honestly Star Wars has just been kind of a part of my life since some of my very earliest memories I remember seeing a new hope or Return of the Jedi where Empire Strikes Back being played on televisions uh, back when I was a little kid in people's living rooms. I would often watch the VHS tapes, the original VHS tapes that came out in the 80s. And uh, I enjoy those immensely. And of course, eventually, I watched the uh, re-release of the original trilogy, the special edition, in the mid-90s. And then, of course, every Star Wars movie after that. So the love of Star Wars continued to grow despite its absence in our cinemas. But that wasn't going to last very long. As you heard from some of my guests, there were re-releases of the original trilogy, both in cinema and on home VHS and later DVD, all of which included digital touch-ups from George Lucas, who wanted to go back over the originals and update some of the special effects that weren't quite to his standard back in the day, but now with all of the money and all of the time that he had, he could go back over it and get them the way that he wanted them to be. But of course, fans everywhere were beginning to wonder, will we ever get anything new from Star Wars? With rumors surfacing in the early 90s that George Lucas was working on another trilogy of films, fans got really, really excited. And before long, George Lucas answered the question, that was on every Star Wars fan's mind by announcing a prequel trilogy. The first of which, The Phantom Menace, hit cinemas on May 19th, 1999. And for many people, including myself and some of my guests, this was a huge moment in their childhood. I really remember going to see Phantom Menace uh, in uh, the UCI in Bournemouth Tower Park when I was about six years old. Oh brother, yeah. and I just remember I was always got a bit of a chatterbox whenever I was taken to taken out anywhere. I always just got really excited, even yeah. if it was a film. I'd be <laughs> like chatting, chatting about the film, but chatting through the film. And apparently, this was like one of the first times that they put me down in front of something. And as soon as it went ba 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 ba, I just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> as oh, is the know, power of yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> as is the power. I remember my Phantom Menace story was. My best friend at the time, a lad called Beep, who was a bit of a <laughs> naughty boy at school. Uh, his mother won 
tickets to a press screening via a radio, yeah. via Hallam FM, Sheffield's premier radio station. And back in the day, when I was a kid, I didn't know uh, about press screenings or anything. I thought, oh, I'm no. seeing the film before it's released in the cinema. I'm going to the premiere some reason in Meadow Hall in Sheffield. <laughs> but I'm whatever. going to the premiere. But it was uh, it was because they're often early morning or early afternoon during weekdays. Mm. I think this is like a 10 a.m. screening. So during a weekday, you know, got him his school. Somehow my mum and his mum convinced my teacher to allow me to miss the morning of school to go watch Star Wars The Phantom Menace. <laughs> well, just everyone just using excuse. Come on, it's Star Wars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I remember I loved Jar Jar Binks. So much so that I designed him a lightsaber afterwards. And during the part when uh, Darth Maul gets sliced in half by Obi-Wan Kenobi, my friend and I jumped up in the cinema and went, Yes! (laughs) And high-fived each other. So it worked, man. I mean, say what you like about the film now, but it certainly worked. It was the best of that prequel trilogy. And then he took me to see The Phantom Menace in Leicester Square when it was released. It was a pretty big deal for us. I loved it. I had a whale of a time. I don't know how he felt about it. He watched Trainspotting the day before, so he got a very different film for one of its stars. And it was a bit, I think, like whiplash for him. And when The Phantom Menace came out, like any other Star Wars fan, I was hyped. And it especially worked for me when I were at that age phantom menace i believe i would have been about seven when it came out and it was just one i re-watched so much over the years interestingly one of my guests had a bit of a run-up to this movie before seeing it in cinemas i think i actually saw one of the ewok films uh first without really knowing what star wars was or that the Ewoks weren't the main characters of that story. So uh, I was quite shocked when I saw my next Star Wars movie and there were no Ewoks. It was very weird. Uh, But yeah, and then I think more officially inducted into the franchise when I went to see Phantom Menace in theatres when I was eight years old. I just thought that was a great story and well worth including. So thanks for that, Clarice. As I said before, this was a huge moment for many people in their childhood. And for quite a lot of people, this was an introduction to Star Wars. I know that was definitely the case for myself. I remember vividly going to see The Phantom Menace in the cinema and the impact that it had on me. However, uh, many of the fans that had come before from the original trilogy had a very different view of this movie. A lot has been said about this and, of course, the subsequent follow-up movies the episode two attack of the clones on may 16 2002 and episode three revenge of the sith may 19 2005 it does seem that camps are very much split on whether these films are beloved or hated i remember being very excited for phantom menace when that came out and being very let down by it you know darth maul just looks sick double-ended lightsaber cool makeup proper ninja skills spiky hair down for all that completely and then the film was really really underwhelming and the other two in that trilogy i don't remember at all i remember being a bit bored and i'm still not quite sure what happens in them um i never understood why everyone hated on jar jar binks i kind of thought he was all right 
you know it's kind of like a metaphor for life really every friendship group has got a jar jar binks and it's just something you've got to get on with was very excited about the prequels uh, then i saw the prequels was less excited i think the low point for the low point for me probably was wasn't um the first of the Phantom Menace, because that was so exciting. That was so exciting. That ninety nine, what a year! Super exciting. And I remember, I I very distinctly watching the uh, the episode of Spaced that came out afterwards, where where essentially um, Simon Pegg's character just burns all his Star Wars stuff, (laughs) (laughs) and then gets gets sacked from his job and goes to the job centre, and he's sat there, he's like, I just need some money to see me through, and she's like. What happened? Why did you lose your job? And he's like, oh, uh, well, a, a misunderstanding. And she just goes, Phantom Menace. It's <laughs> like, like, I'll get you some money by the end of the week. Just, <laughs> like, a, just imagine that's not even the lowest it got, though. No, no. Attack of the Clones is awful. Yeah. Like, at least Phantom Menace has Jewel of Fates. It's got the pod racing, which is fun. Uh, yeah, it's got yeah. It's got... Liam Neeson's, who's I think is great as Quajon. It's got Darth Maul in it. Like... You know, it's that's what's not to like. No, I've even <laughs> learned to love Jar Jar. I won't go that far, but I've learned to tolerate Jar Jar. I think rather than love. He's he took a lot of flack for that film yeah. when he shouldn't have done. There was there was bigger issues than Jar Jar bloody bench at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's um, true, actually. Yeah, long long monologues about trade federations were worse than Jar Jar Binks. And speaking of pod racers, oh my god, that was like the best part of the Phantom Menace. I don't know why everybody hates the pod racers. That was just like the pinnacle of the entire prequel trilogy was the pod race. I would be happy to have an entire, uh, you know, um, Disney Plus original series all about the pod racers. My favorite Star Wars film is Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. It is a Shakespearean epic with lightsabers rather than swords and it's filled with conflict and high emotion and it starts with a glorious dogfight in outer space and it ends with the beginning of A New Hope. It it's encapsulates everything that I love about Star Wars. It's operatic, it's spectacular, it's action-packed, it's deep needling questions about morality and good and evil and you know as a as a seven-year-old boy going to the cinema for the first time being able to stay up late to watch a star wars film i was just in complete awe of what i was seeing i remember actively going no when obi-wan kenobi chopped anakin down and I realised that there was no way back for one of my childhood heroes. Um, It was an experience that sort of opened up to me all of the possibilities of what cinema could do to you. Uh, You know, I I cried there, I laughed, I was slack-jawed with eyes wide open. Um, And, yeah, I think it's the closest George Lucas ever got to the ideal perfect vision of star wars that he had so opinion was divided on these new movies but whichever way you look at it they certainly did introduce a whole new generation to the star wars universe and with that came a new line of toys and various other affiliated memorabilia and merchandise which of course the public eagerly lapped up 
But there was a new sector of the media that was able to sink its teeth into Star Wars at long last, and that was, of course, the video game industry. The video game industry had dipped its toe in the Star Wars universe briefly in the late 80s and early 90s, but processing power and programming software wasn't quite up to scratch. It couldn't really put you in the universe the way that most people wanted to be. But all of that was about to change with a series of tie-in games, as a lot of my guests fondly remember. I'm not a huge gamer. I don't really have the patience for it. So it takes a truly great game to hold my attention. Quite possibly my all-time favourite game is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. It came out when I was at uni, and it's the reason why I bought an Xbox. The brilliance of the game is that the decisions you make determine whether you become an honourable Jedi or a devious Sith. You know, if you help out a needy person, your force meter would move towards the light. Or if you stab an innocent stranger with your lightsaber, it would swing towards the dark. It was great, and I think it's the only game that I've ever played all the way through more than once. Also, the video games. I mean, that's where you got the closest to being a Jedi, right? Was playing the video games. I loved them. But my favorite, actually, going back to the Starship Fighter, were the X-Wing and TIE Fighter flight simulators. Those games, guys. Oh, man, they were so good. The branching storylines, just the immersion in the cockpit. Like, why are flight simulators not a thing anymore? What's up with that? LucasArts. Okay, Knights of the Old Republic, that was fine. But give us some more X-Wing and TIE Fighter remakes. That's what we want. Give the people what they want, LucasArts. I know you're listening. I did keep caught up with uh, some of the games. I The Battlefront games were some of my favorite mem- favorite games. And the Lego Star Wars were fu- ones were fun reinventions of franchise I love. I had a love for The Force Unleashed as well. It This uh, side crawl, which had essentially Vader having a secret apprentice he, he genetically engineered, I think. Um, and he just had him slaughter some of the Jedi. And it was a nice bit of in-canon video game which got wiped in afterwards with Disney buying up up Star Wars but I have fond memories of playing that and just having a bit of fun on the darker side of things I would guess that there's been games I've played so I've played the Lego Star Wars games I've played the Force Unleashed and I've played whatever the last one was and some of the kind of multiplayer ones. There was one on the PlayStation 2 that I adored. I, I loved the more recent game, the uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which I've played through and have beaten the game. I'm excited that they've already kind of announced that there is going to be a sequel to the game, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Like, I remember I was huge into the Force Unleashed playing, like, Jedi Academy and Jedi Outcast, and, like, video games as a whole whole other realm um i played the star wars episode one nintendo 64 uh pod racer game and which was just called uh star wars uh, episode one racer and i played that thing to death i was the undisputed king of that game set all the track records with every single uh pod racer all maxed out to the to the nines um, I just absolutely loved it. I even memorized like all the pod racer names and what 
planets they came from and what uh, model ships they had and all that good stuff in their backgrounds. I don't know why I was so obsessed with that. I, I hate NASCAR, <laughs> but I love the pod racing. Um, I, I remember playing the pod racing game for the N64 a lot when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And I have very fond memories of that. I haven't played it in about 20 years. But I think mm-hmm. back very far into that. I love the Lego Star Wars games. Uh, the new the new game that's just come out is amazing, but the original Lego Star Wars games with all of their slapstick humour and just wicked references to the wider Star Wars universe, um, I played those religiously. I mean, when I was at university and, you know, I needed a little bit of a pick-me-up, sometimes I'd just go on YouTube and watch cinematic edited together reels of lego star wars um because it's just constantly fun and funny and absolute work of genius star wars battlefront 2 on the ps2 was a big game for me growing up that's a hell of a game uh revenge of the sith's time video games a lot of fun as well yeah you could choose to be obi-wan or anakin in the uh, story mode and if you were Anakin, you could change the ending of the film, which I loved. That's cool. <laughs> could you kill Obi-Wan? You could kill Obi-Wan, and then you kill. Uh, then it goes to a cutscene where you kill the Emperor, and you, b- and you become the Emperor. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool, man. Uh, I used to play a lot uh, Shadows of the Empire for Nintendo 64. I remember especially being scared... Uh, going through the the hoth base because i would release the wampa ice creatures and let them roam around and then i would try to hide from them that always freaked me out as a kid um i loved the first two uh, star wars battlefront games for the playstation 2. i cannot tell you how many countless hours i have wasted on those games and that was that was another one of those games where i was just so good i was proud at how good i was at them now, of course, having not played them in forever, I probably stink. But, um, yeah, uh, Star Wars video games have always been fun. The I played the original Star Wars Lego video games. Those were hilarious and great fun. Love those a lot. Yeah, so Star Wars has been special in that way, that it's translated so well to all the other media. You want a great coloring book? Star Wars got it. You want a action figure set? Star Wars got you covered. You want a great video game? Star Wars has got that too. You want a movie franchise? Star Wars it can do that. It's like Star Wars has been so adaptable to so many different avenues so seamlessly that it is, it's honestly impressive. And I just ate it all up. I was all about Super Star Wars on the SNES. Um, episode 1 Jedi Power Battles on the PS1 that me and a a different friend used to play through on the single-screen co-op back in the day, which was very hard. Um, And Rogue Squadron on the GameCube, um, which was just brilliant. That was kind of my era, really. I never really kept up with the games as they hit the next gen, uh, and there were so, so many. All all your Battlefronts and Fallen Jedi and whatever the new ones are. Um, I did play a little bit of the new um, LEGO Star Wars Skywalker saga, actually, the other day, tell a lie which was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rogue Squadron was kind of where my obsession with the games ended. There were, of course, plenty of other areas in which Star Wars continued to grow in both merchandise and media. One of them that was briefly touched upon there for a moment was Lego. Merchandise outside the films that I've most gone into is with the Lego sets. The Lego sets are so much fun to build and it's so great. They kind of fit nicely into just extending the life of the films. There's some amazing sets I've done. I've got a Lego 
BB-8 somewhere. I've got... I do the Lego Star Wars um, advent calendar every year. And yet they have some of the coolest sets. And I wish I could buy each and every one of them because I think that for me is, for my mind, the best merchandising of Star Wars. Because all of us fans kind of want to be a part of it, want to get involved in it. And the best way to do that for me is to make the sets and play with them. And yeah, I love Lego. Lego is amazing. I could, I could talk about Lego all day. But that's not what this is about. <laughs> I have gotten into Lego Star Wars, which my nephew likes. So I've been watching those with him and I think that they're incredibly funny and I love those. And let's not forget toys and sticker books and other affiliated merchandise. I remember when the prequels come out, came out, not being super. I would have been about 10 when the prequels came out. And again, I had these really cool Princess Armadalia. I don't even know that that's how you pronounce her. Uh, pajamas um, and loving them. Oh, and um, we also had little kind of storybooks, read-along storybooks um, from the Droids cartoon series and similar. And we had a, oh, I've just remembered this, is our absolute favourite. I don't know if we still have it anywhere or if we got rid of it. We had a pop-up book of A New Hope, which I was just obsessed with. I love a good pop-up book. Um, but yeah, you could like pull R2-D2 along the desert and thing, and then it swung Leia and Luke when they um, jumped from the bridge to the other side at the end of A New Hope. Um, um, I just, yeah, I absolutely adored that book. And I think that's, I probably knew that book more than I even do the films. But yeah, absolutely loved that book. Um, and now as an adult, I have a Grogu of my own. I am a, a shameful white Grogu girl, but I love my little Grogu and he keeps me company and he's great for a photo as I don't have a pet at the moment. I also loved the, um, uh, <laughs> the battle droid ice lollies that came out <laughs> alongside uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace. They were delicious and I wish they'd come back. <laughs> oh, and I'd be remiss to not point out the Panini sticker album that came out. Oh, yeah. Uh, Phantom Menace as well. I had a lot of fun with that. I had a lot of the toys from like Phantom Menace and Attack yeah. of the Clones as well. <laughs> yeah. I had all the... Do you remember that little thing that they came out with um, Phantom Menace where it was supposed to be like the next big thing in toys Oh, they came um... with microchip thing like com com comtech communicator the... or something yeah yeah and you put them on top of the communicator all of which like you got the action figure and the chip together but you had to buy the com thing separately yeah to make it work so that when you stood them stood it on the com thing on the chip it would just recite quotes in the film yeah all yeah it did. <laughs> amazing and all of this extra paraphernalia of course went a long way into fueling the already growing obsession with star wars for many a child. Some of my guests share similar childhood memories to myself of running around on the school play yard pretending to be a Jedi Knight or a, an X-Wing pilot or some other character in the Star Wars universe. My, some other childhood memories, you know, the, the play structure in our, in our elementary school playground, every recess, the Millennium Falcon. My friends and I would just claim it. Everyone would fight over who was going to be Han Solo. I was happy to be Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight, savior of the galaxy, space wizard extreme. It was a very big part of my childhood. We did play it in the schoolyard. You had to act pretty quick to get yourself named Princess Leia because if you didn't, then there were no other girl parts. Something else that I think is worth an honorable mention in this episode and was brought up by a couple of my guests came just after the prequels. It was a time when the Clone Wars era was being explored and one of those versions came in the form of a really unique 
and fascinating animated series. I remember watching Genady Tarkovsky's um, Clone Wars series when it aired on Cartoon Network, and I adored this visually dynamic and so different look at these characters in the midst of a war we just had into that throughout the lore and the mythology and seeing it all depicted so wonderfully i loved it probably my favorite extended universe thing is the gendy tartakovsky clone wars series which is yeah, all on cool. disney plus it's got a weird name because there is the official <laughs> disney clone wars series this one is called like clone wars legends or something it, it, it's oh, okay. traditional i hadn't appreciated their reason yeah because it. it's not technically part of the canon now but it's um it's gorgeous it's the the fellow who uh, did like dexter's laboratory and samurai jack and some really mm -hmm. cool exciting visually dynamic hotel pieces. transylvania hotel transylvania <laughs> and it kind of it kind of functions not to bring it all back to the matrix but it functions in a similar way to the animatrix in that it just it pokes out interesting little corners of the world yeah and i think it's the most successful I mean, to be honest with you, it might well be in my top five Star Wars things, things. in general, because it's better than a lot of the films. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. And I recommend checking it out. And I have to agree with my guests there. It really is an amazing series, well worth checking out. And for the longest time, it was really the most fresh and original thing to come out of Star Wars. Really, not much else happened after that. Okay, there was an animated movie for the Clone Wars, but the less said about that, the better. And there were, you know digital re-releases from George Lucas as he went back over the originals again and again and again to change things that I think we could all agree probably didn't really need changing. But other than that, it was kind of quiet for Star Wars. It looked like that was it. George had set out to make this complete story over six movies and he did it. There were, of course, rumours and speculation for the longest time that George might return to the original movies and perhaps do some sequels, or maybe he'd go even further back and do something with the old Republic, like some of the video games. But none of those rumours really were founded in any kind of truth. And then, on October 30th, 2012, George Lucas surprised the world by selling the rights to Star Wars. This was something that none of us saw coming. No one ever thought in a million years that he would ever give it up. But it seems the offer of $4 billion from Disney was too good an offer to walk away from. I mean, let's face it, who of us would walk away from such an offer? So, what did this mean for the franchise? Well, it meant a series of changes to Star Wars. There was going to be a wiping out of previous legends in canon. But also it meant a whole new era of Star Wars. And probably the thing that grabbed most people's attention was the announcement of three brand new movies following the original trilogy. And before long, the first of these three, The Force Awakens, hit cinemas on December 18, 2015. I think the run-up to The Force Awakens coming out was maybe the, a peak in fandom that can never really be recreated as well. Um, all it had to be, you know, we knew there was this new movie coming, and all it had to be was better than the prequels. It looked like it was returning to the spirit and practical effects of the original trilogy, and the hype was insane. And I remember thinking to myself right before Force Awakens came out, like, this is probably as good as it's going to get. Like, we have been suitably teased and hyped throughout the year. 
at this point it's still Schrodinger's Star Wars, you know, until we see it at midnight, <laughs> at this midnight showing the, the next day or whatever it was. Um, we don't know if it's good or bad, and at this point it doesn't really matter. This is a very, very exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. Um, and the fact that that movie delivered in my eyes uh, is a, nothing short of a miracle. And yeah, you know, it does it does care too much to what came before it, but damn, you know, does JJ know how to restart and reboot a franchise? Um, if only he knew how to end one, though. Favourite experience is uh, watching Force Awakens uh, at the Cineworld Leicester Square IMAX with my, um, my brother at that point we've been living in Dubai for like two, three years, and he'd just come back and he was going to get married in like two days. So we had to try and squeeze in The Force Awakens. So our wives, not wives at the time, were dragged to go and see Force Awakens at like <laughs> eight o'clock on a Saturday. And I don't know my uh, brother's wife now could figure out was wedding stuff. But no, he's been, she's been dragged to London to watch uh, The Force Awakens. Brilliant. And it was amazing. It was like being at a rock concert. It was so good. I mean, they're just full of fans having the best time. I absolutely remember. I went to see it for my birthday. My wife took me to go and see it for my birthday. It's my birthday, kind of Christmas yeah. time. And yeah. I just remember the the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then suddenly the music hits, and you're like, "Oh, yes!" People don't, people don't lost it. their minds <laughs> at that point. It was crazy. And there's points when you first see the Millennium Falcon, and it was. Yeah, it's something else. I've, I very rarely do you experience that in a cinema. So and joyous for a for a cinema like a film watcher. You kind of chasing that that moment mm. again. You think, what film will I be able to get it? Uh, and honestly, hasn't nothing's come close to see it like that no. since. When they finally got round to making Episode Seven, my son was of an age that he was starting to take an interest in Star Wars, and so we watched on DVD at home all of these six episodes in order um, and we actually had to rush it because it turned out that they that my son and well my wife had bought tickets for my son and I to go and see episode seven as a Christmas present I think on Boxing Day or something like that um, and so uh, it turned out for one reason or another we were running short of time so I think we had to cram in episode six very quickly on the morning of the day we went to see episode seven. So at least it was fresh in our mind. I think the thing that I love the most about Star Wars is that when it's got right, in my stomach, I feel this kind of relief and joy. So it was like watching The Force Awakens. I, I quite like The Force Awakens for what it is, but there's a point 30 minutes in when I could finally relax into the film. It's when the Millennium Falcon, which is a really cool ship, by the way. And the ships are cool. I love the kind of lived-in quality of Star Wars, that the costumes and the ships and everything all looks like people have lived with this stuff for years. And it's so nice for it not to be clean and slick, and it all feels a bit run down. I really like that about Star Wars. But yeah, there's a bit, half an hour in The Force Awakens, where the Millennium, Millennium Falcon is flied for the first time. And I was like, oh no, they get it. They get what I want from Star Wars. It's a really cool, exciting moment. And while I think that in, on balance, I don't particularly love the new trilogy, there are bits, and certainly the first two films, I'm like, no, these guys know how to make Star Wars for me. All right, so the sequels, the new era, the current era of Star Wars, right? When I learned that Kathleen Kennedy had taken over Lucasfilm and was handing the new movie over to... J.J. Abrams, I was so excited. 
I, I had a new hope. You know, they were bringing back the original cast. I, they promised that it was going to be all physical effects. Or not all, but, you know, a lot of physical effects. And I remember the first preview seeing, actually, I don't, I wasn't even a preview. It was a, it was a behind the scenes thing of J.J. Abrams asking us to donate to some charity on the set of Ray's Homeworld. And there was an alien walking by and it looked so much like the original movies, guys. Oh my God. Oh my God. I got so excited. I got so excited and I went to The Force Awakens. I did not have a bad feeling about it. And you know what? It was great. It was wonderful. Yeah. You could say that it maybe it hewed a little close to some of the original stuff. I mean, Star Wars has always been about cycles and repeating itself. So I was kind of okay with that. You know what? I felt like a kid sitting in that theater again. Oh my God, when I saw Han and Leia together again, tears. It was so good. The new cast was great. It really did feel like, like they had taken the old, made it new, but kept what was so great about it, the spirit of it. Star Wars was back with a bang. This movie landed with fans and critics so well that it smashed box office records, grossing in over half a million dollars worldwide in its opening weekend. It soon went on to hit the billion mark and is said to be one of the highest grossing films of all time. It was clear from all of this then that people were hungry for more Star Wars. And Disney were more than happy to meet the demands. In fact, they went as far as to announce two additional spin-off movies for the Star Wars franchise. The first of which, Rogue One, was released on December 16th, 2016. A truly unique Star Wars film, this movie featured none of the main characters of the Skywalker saga, no Jedi so to speak of, and really it revolved around a plot of characters that were entirely new. This fresh take was certainly appreciated by some of my guests. I think that Rogue One, just start to finish, is the perfect Star Wars film I know that there's really not, you know, the big lightsaber battles and things like that, but I think it's just ultimately just a perfect, perfect film. And I, I, if you made me choose one to, to watch, I'm probably picking Rogue One as my personal favorite. Rogue One, I think, is excellent, um, bordering on being the perfect Star Wars film. Um, I, I really think they did a, an amazing job with Rogue One. Um, and I find that in some ways more watchable than Empire Strikes Back. There are bits of Empire Strikes Back that I don't enjoy um, so much and it drags a little bit. Um, Rogue One, from the few times I've seen it in comparison, um, just had a very good um, flow to it. The newer ones have been really good. It's like Star Wars by numbers, isn't it? You know, so I quite enjoyed them. I particularly liked Rogue One. I thought that was sick when they did the whole sort of like Pacific fighting on the beach stuff. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. So it looked like things were off to a great start for Disney and their acquisition of the Star Wars franchise. And then on December 15th, 2017, they followed up The Rise of Skywalker with Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. This film had a pretty tough act to follow and a lot of questions to answer. And the results, well, they were somewhat mixed amongst fans and critics. This is by far the most polarizing of all the films, as some of my guests will attest to. And that led to maybe my favorite installment, The Last Jedi. Man, Ryan Johnson took that movie and 
he examined things like failure through the Star Wars lens. And he examined, you know, the outdated dogma of, of the Jedi Order and like how that's basically an allegory for religious extremism. And he really kind of started to deconstruct the Star Wars myth while still giving us this great Star Wars movie. It felt like the natural mature growth for Star Wars. And, and I loved it. And I mean, plus those action scenes, that's about as far from Dustin Crops as you're going to get, kid. I feel like the Disney movies have lost their way. Force Awakens was a really good film, but it's essentially just a remix of A New Hope. The Last Jedi is, in my opinion, the worst Star Wars movie by a distance. It felt like it was made by someone who actively hated the franchise and wanted to destroy it from the inside. I would say it was only like a second or third rewatch of this said film that made me go, like, actually, no, I think this is the best uh, Star Wars product that's been pushed out, and it is... Uh, the Last Jedi. I just think it's doing such brave and uh, mm -hmm. tricky things with the idea of legacy and the idea of myth making on both a kind of mm -hmm. uh, traditional story level uh, of kind of like how just generally how stories are told, but also in doing doing it in the prism of this billion dollar billion dollar behemoth. It's the first time since Empire that a Star Wars film has felt really kind of brave and audacious and uh, substantial. And I, yeah, I just think it's a yeah, it's a very very rich, very and rich film. You know what? Listeners of uh, of Harley's pod of, of Fundamentals will, if they've heard the episode that I was on the first time, will recognize this train of argument. But it, it's doing similar things as to what the Matrix sequels are doing. <laughs> it's interrogating the original myth, which is exactly what I want a sequel to do. Like the the original yeah. Holy Grail of sequels, Godfather Part Two. That's exactly what that one's doing as well. That's what a sequel should do: expand what and Empire's interrogate. Doing its way. It is it's... exactly it is. It's why it holds up so well. It's why, inevitably, when yeah, they backtrack so a little bit in the third <laughs> parts of the respective trilogies, it doesn't you know hold quite so much water because where yeah. do you go from there? I suppose if, if you're willing mm -hmm. to follow through on that. So Last Jedi. I didn't like Last Jedi very much. I came out of Last no. Jedi feeling a bit You're flat. Wrong. I know, I know you don't agree with me. It's it's fine. I came out of it feeling flat, but for none of the reasons that the, that the fandom have, you know, kind of come out of that. I don't, you know, I don't think any of the performances are bad. I don't think that, I think it's interesting where it was going to take the, take the idea of the Force being in other people. I yeah. don't know. They should have kept that. They should, should have kept, kept that. that. And I just, it just felt a little bit like, I don't know. I just felt a little flat afterwards. My favourite probably is The Last Jedi. It does feel controversial to say, but I love the different journeys it takes, the different paths. And I think Ryan Johnson hit the nail on the head with Star Wars that the most in, the way you can keep people's interest in the franchise is to not make the same film over and over again, to do something radically different. And I think Johnson managed to do that while keeping the spirit of the series. And it was just... it was I found it to be phenomenal. And I was really surprised how divisive it was. Particularly when you have that gorgeous sequence of Admiral Holdo activating the hyperdrive. Just that silent sequence. I saw that film in cinemas three times, and every time I just heard like gasps or people reacting. I remember the second viewing, someone just went, "My God!" when that sequence appeared, and rightfully so. It's gorgeous. 
And it's a shame the series kind of took two steps backwards with the next entry. And but I love what Ryan Johnson did. And it's unlikely we're probably going to get his trilogy like Lucasfilm said we were going to get. But but that's their loss. I'm always torn between Empire Strikes Back and The Last Jedi. Uh, and I, I feel like to say favorite, maybe maybe I would pick The Last Jedi just because, you know, I was there when it came out. <laughs> I was alive for it. And I have so many fond experiences of going to see it with friends. I think I saw it like three times in the cinema. Um, and like being there for that cultural moment was something really special. The Last Jedi was a far from perfect film, but I really liked they were the the ending and the heart of that film about anyone can be a hero, and you know I think that was one of the great things about the first film was as well when we first meet Luke we don't know about his relationship with um, Darth Vader. So I did love that idea that anyone can be a hero and anyone can be a Jedi. It's all about your belief and your wants and your desire. So it did really suck for me as a fan when that was retconned in Rise of Skywalker. The entire intention behind The Force Awakens, which was embrace the past, embrace the originals, ignore the prequels, erase them from history, you know, revitalize everything that we loved about the original trilogy, especially A New Hope, to the point of retelling the story. And then the Last Jedi comes around and says, get rid of the past, kill it if you have to. Uh, we're going to subvert every expectation you have of what it means to be a Star Wars movie to the point where they literally break the laws of the universe that Star Wars takes place in and completely negate and undermine uh, 40 years of, of canon and and uh, physics. I mean, I know Star Wars is not great with physics, but at least it had its own rules on how their universe works. Last Jedi, Last Jedi just, you know, took a giant uh, shotgun and blasted a hole right through that. Safe to say the divisiveness of this film didn't help Disney in their quest to expand the Star Wars universe and continue the franchise. Not helping matters was the release of Solo, a Star Wars story on May 10th, 2018. After a very long and troubled production, this movie finally got released to audiences and the response was, yet again, another divisive movie. There are entries in this series that I find maddening. I cannot stand Solo. I think it's a reductive way to approach such a cool character who I don't really need to know their story. I don't really need to know how they get to that point. It, it, so much about Solo maddened me. I don't think we needed Solo even a little bit. To me, I think Solo does not get the love that it deserves. Sure, it's got some plot holes, but I think it's a very fun film. The unfortunate side effect of the mixed responses to both of these movies was that it seemed to embolden a darker side of the fandom. Regular listeners of this podcast will know that in almost every episode, I seem to come up against gatekeepers and toxic fanboys that tend to feel that they are somehow entitled to dictate the way that something in pop culture moves because they have a sense of, I guess, ownership. It's something that has reared its head ever since Disney acquired Star Wars 
and has continued, especially with the mixed response to both The Last Jedi and Solo, a Star Wars story. It's certainly something that many of my guests are very much aware of. The only thing I guess I'd say I actively don't like about Star Wars is um, the toxicity <laughs> around certain parts of the fandom. And it frustrates me because, you know, I have seen so many wonderful parts of the Star Wars community. I've seen so much imagination. I love cosplayers. I love people who build droids. I love the 501st Legion. I think that stuff is so cool. And yet it breaks my heart when I go online and I tweet something about Star Wars and I get the most vile messages back because people have decided that their entire identity is wrapped around the fact that they saw Return of the Jedi in the cinemas when they were a child and now these new Star Wars are different and they're bad and they have women and people of color doing things. Um, it's it's just really depressing because it's so anti as well the the message of star wars the star wars has such a a powerful <laughs> hopeful message about not shutting people out um i kind of wonder what star wars movies these people have been watching that say all these nasty things i also don't love how it approaches its fans it should just give the fans films and they should get used to it like the comparable franchise for me is the marvel cinematic universe and they very rarely change course by what the fans want they're going to do what they want to do and every now and then there might be some slight change or some slight shift and it doesn't feel like it comes from what the fans are demanding and more what is creatively what they want to do and yeah i think star wars is as it's moved away from George Lucas has kind of struggled to uh, find a new voice that is strong enough to tell the fans to just sit down and watch the films because at the end of the day, we'll complain about anything. Fans will complain about anything. I have complained about solo and how I don't like it. I've complained about rise of Skywalker. Um, but I'll still go and watch every star Wars. film. I'll still watch every star Wars TV show. I'll still, love it but just be confident that you can do stuff to it and i'll just you know have to accept it i mainly i just want the series to do more of its own things not to not to just pull from corners of the fandom because you think fans will love it but to deliver a good story which doesn't need to pull from corners of the fandom for you to think fans might dig it. It just feels like they've been running scared ever since Ryan Johnson did something different and man babies complained because women to women weren't relegated for well, seemingly disregarding Leia from the original trilogy. I mean, good God. I like, as I've said on our podcast and other podcasts many times, I love when people love things and enjoy living that thing and sharing that thing with other people. And that's how we discovered many of the things that we love is having having it been shared with us. I don't know if that was a sentence or not. What I, what I don't like about Star Wars is, is, and it's not just Star Wars, but I think Star Wars is probably the most uh, prominent example of this, is how that love can curdle into a, a violent, uh, vindictive, nasty possessiveness and it can it can be 
<laughs> petitioning to have changed elements that you don't like on the one side of the scale. On the other side of the scale, it can be uh, sending death threats to people in the films that you don't like. And there's such a nastiness uh, and an mm -hmm. entitlement, I think, that comes from the darker recesses of Star Wars fandom that it just... It, it almost sullies the whole thing. So I, I don't like that people can't just enjoy it and let it be. I don't like that some yeah. factions of the fandom become militant about it and become gatekeepers because this kind of stuff and one of the one of the main tenets of rambling is is that it's about sharing and no one possesses anything. We have our personal experiences with things, but that isn't the definitive be all and end all. It's just an aspect of what this thing offers. You know, no exactly. one owns anything. Yeah. So that's what I don't like. Why can't we all get yeah. along? Yeah, I echo that. Like, yeah, <laughs> you <can't, laughs> and I don't think there's anything else you can really say for that. <laughs> it's like, so you don't enjoy a film and something, there, there, there'll be other ones, that, like, particularly in something this wide as well. Yeah. yeah. Not everything's going to work, but that makes <laughs> things more interesting sometimes. And But yeah, yeah. to like drive, to drive like talent to kind of step away from social media accounts I, I mean Daisy Ridley's only just gotten her Instagram account back going again after letting it all kind of just stop and breathe for a set because of yeah. the literal she was receiving it's just Insane. nothing's worth that no. <laughs> no. don't understand <laughs> I hate the way the, uh, the fans what do I not like about Star Wars it's the fans the fans themselves who are gatekeeping I should say, you know, there's a big community out there, obviously. I, I, it's very hard to find someone who has not seen a Star Wars film. Although, you know, there are people out there that do exist. Um, very few, I feel, you know, everyone has seen at least one film or, and most people at least know of the films, obviously, and know what they're about and whatnot. But the, the people who were gatekeeping and well this is better than this and you can't have that opinion because of my opinion i'm just not a big fan of that like everyone likes their movies you know i know a lot of people will say that uh the last jedi is the worst star wars film ever and they are that's a that's a mountain they're gonna live on forever no matter what and you know i, I think you need to just kind of pump the brakes a little bit is it the best film no, it's not. It's not the worst. You know, I'm not saying that one is better than the other because they're all good films. They all have their good moments and they all have some bad moments too. So I, I think that we all just need to kind of just chill. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially, well, it is the fandom and it's the pandering to the fandom that I've that, that lost me a little bit. So. There's so many good Star Wars fans out there mm. who just love it for for the essence of being Star Wars. Yeah. And then you've got this section that are just <laughs> trolls and the scum of the, the universe. Scum of the they're universe. Just, <laughs> I, I hate them so much. Yeah. Um, they're just disgusting. Like, some of the, 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 the actors that have been in these films and the way they've been treated, like, on social media, which is also, you know, not my favourite place to be. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're horrible. I haven't got time for them. I'm trying to stay out of it. There's that very common saying that nobody hates star wars like a star wars fan um and while i wouldn't be necessarily that extreme in my judgments 
I it, it saddens me when I see toxicity among the Star Wars fan base. It saddens me when I see people that have this very specific idea of what Star Wars is, which is fine because we've all got a very personal relationship with the series, but they have a personal idea of what Star Wars should be and they're unwilling to accept other interpretations of it or they're unable to understand why more progressive values and a more diverse cast is actually exactly what star wars is all about um so yeah i don't i don't like it when people lose sight of the very simple fact that star wars can be so many things to so many people and that's beautiful and to try and box it into one specific idea and to throw hatred the way of anyone that that dares to do something different with your idea of what Star Wars should be. Um, yeah, that just puts a dampener on things for me. Um, and I think the fandom can be very hostile, as we all well know, which isn't the best. Um, I don't mind because I don't call myself a super fan, but I love them. They've been... The Star Wars franchise has literally been a part of my entire life. So... Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who will say I'm not a proper fan because I can't cite to you the name of every alien and I get confused about which film is which, but I adore the films and yeah, it's just, it's, I can't explain, it's just something that has been in my life forever. I have to say, I do echo the sentiments of my guests in that I don't think this toxic fandom really has any place in Star Wars or indeed in any fandom. It is what it is, and the sad reality is that it did have an effect on the movies going forward. The one that felt this the most was the final movie in the sequel trilogy, The Rise of Skywalker. Released in cinemas on December 20th, 2019, The Rise of Skywalker, well, it didn't exactly polarise fans. Rise of Skywalker is toilet. <laughs> By trying to appease the fans, they've made an absolute mess. And I've said it before on our podcast, and I'm going to say it again on, on this podcast, is that I've never been quite so angry at the end of a movie <laughs> as I was with Rise of Skywalker. Mm. <laughs> I literally just went... <laughs> and what's your name? <laughs> she better she bet not say it. Just, just Ray. That's all you need to just say. Ray. Just Ray. Yeah. Anyway, I okay. hate that they went into that. I hate that they went into that third stars without a plan. Oh. I don't think yeah. I'll ever get over it. To be honest, say what you like about think... George Lucas. At least he had an idea of what he wanted. You know, at least he had a plan. At least he didn't yeah. go into it going, Pah, "Just make it up in the day." <laughs> George Lucas could write a story. He couldn't always write a script. If that makes sense, as Harrison Ford said quite famously, yeah. "You can write this, George, but you can't say it." <laughs> Which is why all of Hans Hans uh, uh, lines are so good is because Harrison Ford essentially ad libbed them all <laughs> and changed the scripts <laughs> just a little bit. He, I think George Lucas was close there yeah. for a, a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, for the longest time, I just didn't want to go back to Star Wars because the Rise of Skywalker just killed that interest with uh, with where with the final scene of Rey and how Chewbacca finally got his medal. Oh, 
congratulations, you've just pandered to 20 years of internet discourse moaning about this one thing that shouldn't matter. I mean, take your billion dollars or whatever, but good god. Not a fan of The Rise of Skywalker at all, and how that ended, I think it just felt really sort of rushed, um, both in the physical production of it and the storytelling pace. The first 20 minutes of that is just unintelligible. Nothing matters. Characters die and get resurrected within seconds. The whole Emperor thing is just ridiculous. Um, Disney have started to eat their own tail and just basically rip off the portals on your left moment from the end of their own movie Endgame for the, the way the finale of Rise of Skywalker goes. And Rise of Skywalker was essentially trying to just retroactively backpedal everything that The Last Jedi did. Uh, and in, in, in doing so, it had to become the second movie that Last Jedi failed to be, plus be the third concluding movie that it was supposed to be. So they were really cramming two movies into one, and the whole thing felt like a hot mess. Over the course of about six years, watching the sequel trilogy was like watching a really horrendous car wreck in slow motion. And you were just waiting to see what happened next. How much worse could this get? And Rise of Skywalker felt like a course correction to that. It felt like Disney were responding to the negative fan reactions. But then it became a box ticking exercise, simply an exercise in fan service. I think what they need to do for their next set of films is find someone with a vision, but someone who respects and appreciates what Star Wars is, but is looking to the future to chart their own path. One area that most people tend to agree that Disney is doing quite well on when it comes to Star Wars is the television series. Series such as The Mandalorian, The Clone Wars, and even Boba Fett have become welcome additions to the Star Wars canon. The Mandalorian is probably my favourite Star Wars property since Return of the Jedi because it feels most like classic Star Wars than anything they've done since whilst still charting its own path, while still introducing new characters and new ideas. Mandalorian Season 1 is, was a wonderful example of how to do a good Star Wars tale without needing to, to get bogged down in history and what fans already know. Set uh, something, an interesting idea in its own corner of this galaxy, which we've been following for so long. I am very much enjoying The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Um, you know, episodic space adventures in the skin of a Western. Totally my bag. Um, and the success of that character has, has really just made the return of Boba Fett even more awkward and unnecessary, really. I think that, that was a bit of a step down. It's like they tried to do the same thing again, having not realised they just knocked it out of the park with a a new, basically, Boba Fett character. I'm very much enjoying The Mandalorian. Mm. I think, I am, I'm well up for that. I think that what they're doing there is um, some really good stuff. The Book of Boba Fett, or Boba Fett, however you want to say it. Yeah. Scone or scone. Uh, no, I think it's Boba. It... I, think it's, I think it's scone. <laughs> okay. Definitely starts with a B. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think there'll be a second series of there might be a second i don't know, I don't know. it on. seems like it was mandalorian series 2.5 really it was like a an interseason series of the mandalorian it's like an end credit but, but like they dragged out for eight yeah. episodes um well star wars is such a money maker now they're never going to let things die but they should do the old republic we, as well yeah we're gonna get, gonna get the obi-wan series aren't we 
I can't wait for the Obi Wan series. <sighs> yeah, I am. I am excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, which are maybe not as hot on as some other people are, but I still enjoy them. I mean, anything that takes me to that galaxy far, far away and immerses me in that world is always going to be a winner. So. The other thing I do love about Star Wars is that with the recent series, the um, Boba Fett and Mandalorian series, the pictures that they do at the end, the artwork, which are sort of screen grabs effectively and then done sort of artistically from the program you just watched, um, I really love those. Um, I would happily walk around the gallery um, looking at those pictures and so on. I would have to say on balance, though, that Star Wars The Clone Wars you can't really go wrong with. Um, what it did for Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship, the lightsaber battles in it, the introduction of Savage Press and the way that it managed to do some really crazy things with Maul's character and our understanding of the Force. Like, those seven series, if you want... Uh, a wide-ranging, diverse, incredibly dynamic way into the world of Star Wars and everything that it can possibly be, then The Clone Wars is, you know, unparalleled. Obviously, Star Wars Rebels has been great as well. Really, really enjoyed Star Wars Visions on Disney+. Plus. Really, at this point in the episode, it's worth reflecting on everything we've just discussed and thinking about the question, why do people love Star Wars? What is it exactly about these series of movies that have captured the imaginations of people that bring them back to the cinema time and time again when on balance it seems that most of the films don't quite live up to fans' expectations? There are, in fact, a number of reasons, as I discovered through the clip sent in by my wonderful guests. The thing I have always loved the most about Star Wars is the hope and courage that it inspires in people. Um, it, it really warms my heart whenever I, I go to a protest or I see photos of a protest and there are people there with like Star Wars themed placards because fundamentally these stories for me are, are about um, about the, the power of the collective and that it doesn't matter how hopeless you feel, how powerless you feel, how small you feel on your own, uh, if you can find other people who are fighting for the same cause and you fight together, then that can make all of the difference. I love that Star Wars is a little bit of everything. It's a sci-fi adventure with Western influences, but it's also a comedy and a romance. But the key to it is character. None of the lightsaber duels or space battles would matter if we didn't care about Luke Skywalker or Jyn Erso or The Mandalorian. It's the characters that keep people coming back to the franchise some 45 years after it started. I love the characters in Star Wars. I I probably like the characters that maybe other people don't or the ones that are really obvious to like. Um, but I love a cute little droid. I love the Ewoks. I'm a massive girl, like what can I say? I love the Porks, I love the Ewoks. I like Jar Jar, I love Grogu. Um, the droids in the Mandalorian episodes with Amy Sedaris's character. Oh my god, like Bryce Dallas Howard knows how to do a droid when she directs. I actually think that was in the Boba Fett, but it was basically the Mandalorian 
happened, wasn't it? Um, and I love BB-8 so much. BB-8 is my guy. Um, and is it the little cone one? I can't remember his name. I call him Coney, and I know his name isn't Coney. But yeah, I just love all the little cute side characters. The critters, as you would say, if they were animals. I love a good critter. And Star Wars has been known to have a very good critter. The characters, I think, are underrated. And, and I think what's great about especially the original trilogy is the way that even tiny characters have their own identity and have their own impact. And I think a lot of that is down to, well, a lot of it's down to George Lucas, of course. A lot of it is down to the the Henson Company guys and, and Frank Oz and the rest who would make these tiny little puppets just come alive in only seconds of screen time. So you get people who are obsessed with members of Jabba's court, despite the fact that they had no lines, no impact on the plot, that they just, you know, sat sat around and did nothing. So I think that's extraordinary. And I think also the main characters are great, just the the sort of the archetypes, if you like. So we we all thought we were Luke Skywalker, really. Like, even as a girl, you had to identify with Luke Skywalker because he's the one you identify with at the beginning of that film. Um, Princess Leia was my idol forever. She always has been. Um, she is just kind of what I want to grow up to be, and I'm still hopeful one day, maybe. Uh, and Han Solo, of course, is the coolest, hottest dude that has ever walked the galaxy far away. It's amazing. Something else I really loved about Star Wars were the characters. I actually felt for the characters. You know, um, I, I actually cared about the relationship between Han Solo and uh, and Leia Organa. I actually related to Luke Skywalker as a child. I felt his hero's journey as he progressed from a, a whiny, self-centered, adventure-seeking brat uh, to being this, you know, very serious and brooding and mature and solemn uh, character in The Return of the Jedi. Uh, I... I felt that I could emulate that or that I could relate to it. And I wanted to, I almost like looked at that as being like, okay, well, how, how do you grow up? How do you begin to adult? <laughs> uh, so yeah, Luke Skywalker was a, in a manner of speaking, kind of like a childhood hero of mine, um, or maybe better said to be like a type of role model. I remember going to see a Star Wars exhibit at the Museum of the Moving Image. And when I came back, I kind of quipped to my girlfriend in front of my cousins, that, uh, you know, why didn't she have her hair like Princess Leia in the classic cinnamon buns? Uh, and my cousins were like, dude, that's so funny. When you were a kid, when we took you to see Star Wars, we told you, if you were a good boy, you too one day would get to kiss your own princess. I was like, how funny is that? So scroll back forward to 2016. I was really lucky to meet Carrie Fisher and uh, Mark Hamill at the Star Wars convention. And as I queued up, I saw a couple of other guys were like all like well prepared as Han Solo and one of them kissed. I was like, right, I'm going for it. I'm just going for it. So we get up to the kind of point where we take photos and uh, I'm sort of just about to go up there. And I'm like, right, I'm 100% going to do it. So I said to her, look, it's my birthday. It, it wasn't a few days. So I was stretching it a little bit. I was like, do you mind if I have a kiss with, you know, Princess Leia? And she was like, of course, honey, no problems. And her handler was like, absolutely no way. That's just not going to happen. I was like, ah. Anyhow, the photo gets taken. She cuddles in really tight. I've, I can remember, like, how that felt. This is how sad I am. And and then she kind of turned to me. I turned to her. I gave her a kiss on the lips. I was like, I can't believe I've just kissed Princess Leah. And 
as I walked away on cloud nine and my wife walked towards me and I told her what I'd done and showed her the picture and she was like, I'm incredibly annoyed, but this is the one person I'm going to let you off. Um, sadly, that was the year that Carrie Fisher died. I really hope there's no correlation. Otherwise, I've got some severe uh, venom issues. Um, but yeah, always loved her. Again, the whole cast of the film means so much to me. I love all the projects they've been in. I love how it's become a trilogy of trilogies. Um, it can't be easy to kind of set up a beginning, middle of an end of something that, that runs for so long. And I think each of them definitely feel of a piece with each other. Yeah, and just the possibility in Star Wars, I think. You know, the the messaging that The Last Jedi really knew to latch on to, you know, that anyone can kind of be a hero their own story um and yeah the possibilities in that universe never cease to inspire imagination um and i hope they continue to do so i think more than characters or music i think that as a as someone that has always had a lot of very existential thoughts about life and love and death and growing up i think it's the philosophic nature of the series and especially the force that really stands out to me um in empire strikes back my favorite thing about that film is luke's training with yoda on dagobah and the opportunity that gave us to understand what george lucas saw the forces representing this uh there's a line where yoda says i'm not going to do the voice I'm not going to do the voice. Uh, when Yoda says, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. And this idea that they're, you know, whether you find it in a god or in other people or in some other inexplicable force, um, there's things greater than us that are guiding us, that light the way for us, that spur us on to find our path and become the best people that we can be and that permeates through every star wars film every piece of star wars media and it's a philosophy that's brought me so much peace in my life and it's enabled me to accept some personal tragedies and it's enabled me to be grateful for the good when it has been there in my life as well um another thing i absolutely loved about star wars was its embracing of traditional classic storytelling. Like, think of all of the uh, Grimm's fairy tales, or many, which have many of them have been turned into Disney movies, or even just a typical fantastical Disney movie. Think about, um, you know, the, the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy or the Hobbit book. Why do these stories persist and endure? Because they speak to universal truths. They are discussing basic universal issues of right and wrong, good versus evil, um, righteousness and temptation that every person in every culture can relate to. And George Lucas took that and put it in outer space, which, of course, just makes it that much more fascinating because I love science fiction. That is my favorite genre of storytelling is science fiction. So when you take fantasy and you put it with science fiction, what more could you want? I mean, I've had some friends ask me before, like, if you could live in any um, franchise, any fantastical made-up franchise universe, like, you know, the Marvel Universe or 
the Godzilla universe or the Jurassic Park universe, what universe would you want to live in? Honestly, I'd probably go with Star Wars because it has just so much of everything. And I love that. The thing that's really cool about the original trilogy is that you can watch it as a little kid and you've got like lasers and aliens and fighting and action and it's in space and it's just this wild ride and nothing else matters when you're watching it. And then when you watch it again as maybe a teenager or a young adult, then you can start to enjoy all the the aspects of good versus evil and all the little storylines and the threads that are running through it. And then when you watch them again as an adult, you get both of those things and you get the nostalgia element as well. And I think that's, for me, that's probably the longevity in it. You know why I keep coming back to them. The other thing Star Wars did for me, I mean... Thinking back, I, I, I always say that Evil Dead is the movie that made me want to make movies, but if I'm really being honest with myself, Star Wars were the first behind-the-scenes featurettes I watched. They were the first things that really made me start to think about how you made a movie. How did you make an alien? How did you make a spaceship? Like like Yoda, puppeteer him, how did they do? That's, that's where the seeds were planted. And Evil Dead and some of those other movies, Tarantino, Kevin Smith, they would come along and water the Star Wars seeds. But it's those seeds that eventually bloomed into me wanting to become a filmmaker, going to film school, becoming a, a videographer. And now here I am guesting on movie podcasts. So, yeah, I made it. And Star Wars led me here. But I think for me, what may absolutely makes Star Wars is John Williams' score. Oh, the yeah. music is perfect. Just perfect. Like you can't can't get any better. Like John Williams does an masterpiece. Well, like so many of the, the films he scored, they they just take him to the next level. Absolutely. Like imagine yours without the, the John Williams yeah, scores. Yeah. Indiana, Jones, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Or even like Superman, you know, without that John Williams score. You know, all these all these classic movies that you love. Yeah, you know, Jurassic Park. Can you imagine Jurassic Park without that rousing kind of That's music? That's in my head twenty four seven. Na 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 na. If I've got nothing else going on in my head, that's literally <laughs> the, the the please hold music. Perfect. Um, and then life finds a way is also yeah. It's my answer to pretty much anything. What should we do here? Mm. Well, life will find a way. So or the I live my life quarter mile at a time is also I like that one. Answer. I like that. So uh, I trust my John Williams is John Williams is definitely the the soul of Star Wars, and I think that the series would not work as well as it does without his music. Uh, I like I, I said before that the that Star Wars is almost more of a vibe than a universe, and what that vibe is is when like the music when when like John Williams is blasting, and to me I think the peak of maybe the entire series and, and what really just might be my favorite part of the whole thing is the TIE fighter attack. Um, Cause that could be, that could be a very like, like in different hands, that could be a very boring sequence where they're just at turrets shooting at fighters. Like what's the, what's the thing? What's the deal? But John Williams just like adds an excitement to it. The design is great. That lived-in universe really, really works. Um, that kind of rough-edged sci-fi that you know hadn't really been done before. The blending of sci-fi with other genres. I love the fact that there's westerns in there. That there's, you know, obviously Japanese cinema in there, Hidden Fortress, and all the rest. That there's just so much 
love and so much texture given to every single frame that I think is what sets it apart and I think what what made it sing and seem as alive and as real as it does. What else do you love about Star Wars, characters, music, etc.? It's got to be the music. Um, I still expect when going to the cinema, whenever certain films by um, start off with the music, I still expect the Star Wars theme to kick in afterwards. Um, it was just so explosive and obviously the scrolling text and so on um, became a little bit of a cliche and so on, but it worked. It, it was different at the time. Um, so the music is amazing. Um, and I've always joked that when I was uh, head of department at uh, my university, that I would love to have done sort of the introductory welcome lecture to my students by walking into the lecture theatre with dry, dry ice, sort of billowing out and so on, and walking in with the Imperial um, March theme, sort of a la Darth Vader, but uh, never done it. Um, but because of talking about the Star Wars planes, um, I do at least get to play the Star Wars theme during some of my lectures when I talk about those planes with my students. There can be no serious discussion about Star Wars as a franchise without talking about the music. John Williams, probably my favorite composer, created his magnum opus with the Star Wars franchise. Even when the movies themselves sucked, the music just soared. Every single piece of music that John Williams wrote has become iconic. It is classic. It has breathed so much life and personality into those films and subsequent TV shows and spinoffs. Uh, even the video games would just not be what they are without his music. I remember Steven Spielberg once saying that half of the success of his movie Jaws was because of John Williams' score. I think you could probably say that for just about every movie John Williams has ever scored. And I think that doubly is true of Star Wars. George Lucas said that the Star Wars movies, at least the ones he had made, were meant to be seen like silent films, that you could just mute the dialogue and the special effects or the sound effects and just watch the images with the soundtrack, the music playing in the background and be able to follow the entire story. Because honestly, there's barely any time in any of the Star Wars movies without music in the background. The music literally follows the story almost entirely from beginning to end. So every major plot beat is underscored by music. And you can just listen to the soundtracks on CD and hear the entire story of each film being told musically and is absolutely fantastic i if you want an example of just how sublime john williams can interweave so many uh integral themes together and to tell a compelling narrative listen to the track the battle of hoth from empire strikes back that's like a 14 minute long piece there's probably a dozen unique motifs used in that piece and they're all interwoven in such a way that you don't even have to see the images you know who's winning the battle at any given moment based on the theme and how it's being played <laughs> uh who's chasing who who's defeating who who's on the run um it is absolutely masterful i don't know beyond besides perhaps maybe howard shore's scores for the lord of the rings trilogy i don't know that there is any film franchise or even just movies in general 
that have as strong and consistent and powerful and necessary of a score as a Star Wars franchise. I would be willing to vote that as a, as a franchise altogether, from movies one to nine especially, just taken for the music, I think the Star Wars franchise probably has the best music ever put to film. Um, with the Lord of the Rings and Godzilla franchises coming after that. But yeah, um, what what is Star Wars without John Williams? be hard to uh, talk about stars and not talk about the music. Mm -hmm. um, chiefly John Williams' work, as much as I like. Also like what Michael Giacchino and uh, John Powell did with Rogue One and Solo, and particularly Lud Ludwig Göransson's work on The Mandalorian is mm, a, a, yeah. a brilliant evolution. Maybe the best of thing about that show, the Star Wars sounds soundscape, and being both true to the kind of oral identity of Star Wars, whilst being its own distinctive uh, thing as well, that really helps The Mandalorian forge its own standalone identity, um, particularly in that first season. Um, but yeah, the music for me is like, yeah, it, it's hard to talk about John Williams as a whole without mentioning the Star Wars scores. Like every single one of them is so, brings a unique theme to, so like it's all about motif and theme <laughs> and character. It is. And, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like poetry. Every character has a theme and it's, and they're so beautifully woven together sometimes. And like, it, yeah, they're, yeah, they're pure pure kind of classical orchestra on a very grand scale and like every single film in the skywalker saga it just mm. is beautiful to listen to I listen to those soundtracks a lot yeah yeah in, in a similar level yourself? in a similar way of bringing all these different elements together and you know and rhyming couplets and and mirrors and such i just think the 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 designs the the, the yeah be it props, oh, this is the, the general production design and art direction, I think, even in the first one, which was much more cobbled together, and I said that we love because that is what led to so many of these glorious um, happenstances of design. Mm -hmm. it, I just, yeah, it, it's such simple. There's I, nothing, nothing pop culture really comes close to the level of iconography yeah. in Star Wars. I just do not know. Absolutely. It's quite hard to get your head around just how pervasive and brilliant the design choices are. Whether it's like mm -hmm. the Millennium Falcon or the X-Wings or the Death Star or the lightsaber or yeah. the silhouette. Even just like Jabba's palace. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff like all and the kind of Ralph McQuarrie yeah. stuff that's brought to life. The particular kinds of blacks that you see. And even, I, I would extend that also to the prequels. I know that yeah. after the Phantom Menace it becomes all... CG sheen. <laughs> yeah. But it's still, it, it's that willingness to expand on original designs and find new avenues to explore and, and you know yeah uh, i think it's very cool i think it's very cool and again like kind of speaking to the soundscape just the sound of the lightsaber oh. or the <laughs> of the <laughs> of a tie fighter yeah <laughs> incredible like yeah incredible sounds overall maybe that is the thing i love most about star wars just the way it sounds sonic lands <laughs> from music to yeah from music to uh SFX as well. Also, the, the, the pod racer sound. Yeah. <laughs> that will have been hard. I loved the pod racers. And part of my love for the pod racers is my love for Star Wars vehicles. Uh, the spaceships, the gadgets, the, the space stations. As a child, I just had this absolute fascination and obsession with the Death Star. I just 
loved the Death Star. I wanted all the Death Star models and toys. Um, and I was absolutely in love with the uh, the ATATs and the uh, ATSTs. Um, I loved the the X Wing and the B Wing, especially the A Wing and Y Wing are okay. Um, well, Y Wing was kind of. Eh. I loved the the Star Destroyer um, and the various uh, land speeders. Um, just everything about it. The every single ship was so iconic, so unique, so special. I loved playing with them when they when I had toys of them. I loved playing them. In video games, I loved um, drawing them when I was a kid. I was just absolutely enamored by those vehicles as a youth, uh, and that was something special to me. One thing I like about about Star Wars is just even though I didn't grow up with it, I love looking at the the dusty old defunct stuff. I think they have a charm to it that that some of the new stuff doesn't quite have and maybe it's like timeline wise as far as like when they were produced they're closer to the original trilogy but I think it's really interesting just seeing where like no movies were coming out and they were they were coming out with these audio visual things like Dark Forces and uh, TIE Fighter and X-Wing like though I think that that's so many things have so much of a charm to them and I think it might be from the limitations of the era where it's you know everything's kind of just audio is a little bit crushed and the the music's kind of midi but it's you know it just made everything feel i think there's like a like a, a comforting like simplicity to it and i think in my my own projects i try to capture that a little bit so clearly there's a lot to love when it comes to star wars at this moment in time the franchise is in a somewhat precarious situation with a lot of uncertainty around Disney as to what to do with the franchise, given the mixed responses that they've had so far from all of their creative efforts. So I asked my guests, what do they hope to see from Star Wars in the future? My hope for the future is that Disney continues to move away from the characters we already know and begins to explore the wider Star Wars universe. I feel like we've done the Skywalker saga to death, so now let's start introducing new characters, new locations, new conflicts. We've started to do that a little bit with The Mandalorian, but even that ended up being a Skywalker thing. The possibilities of this universe are endless. They just need to be more willing to leave the past behind. I want less of the Skywalker saga. I want to know about the worlds. I want to know about the silliness, you know. Um, I'm thinking mostly of Boba Fett because that's what I watched most recently, but it was, for me, quite dull. The episodes that I loved were The Mandalorian because he was a brand with the Mandalorian episodes and I really enjoyed The Mandalorian series because they've been whole new characters and they've been able to have their own adventures and we get to see new worlds. And I loved like, the bureaucracy of when he had to go on there, like... Um, budget airline and take all his weapons off and things like that i want to see new characters new worlds new stories the skywalkers were fun but i think it's time we all moved on and left that timeline alone but i will definitely be watching obi-wan um and i just want to see more critters who am i i, I love the mandalorian because i love grogu even if he is a cannibalistic little demon um so yeah, more critters, more droids, more fun, more stories, new. I want new. Let's stop relying on the old. Let's start doing something fresh. On a serious note, I, I like to see them continue to tell a wider 
set of stories and give empower more storytellers um and really create a platform where star wars can do general good for like the film community um on a less serious note i'd really love i really want them to go back to to endor the forest moon of endor i really want a, another ewok movie i want a modern day <laughs> new ewok movie so that my star wars journey can come full circle and i can go back right to where i started with the real main characters of star wars the, the ewoks original ideas with and ways to take the series forward we don't need to keep looking back for this series to make an impact. You don't need to bring Boba Fett back just to actually make him a badass. You can, I mean, the Mandalorian showed you don't need to do that. Not sure whether I'd like the series to go back to theatrical releases. I mean, not Solo kind of showed that fans weren't up for feature, weren't up for spin-offs of any character. And The Mandalorian showed these brilliant ideas can be depicted in on a weekly format and be given be given the pacing and the vision that they deserve. I just hope to see that they're going to put storytelling first rather than rather than a need to trick emotionally manipulate fans into dropping their time to see someone to see someone they've remember from a, as a kid at this point I'm expecting an Admiral Akbar me series which resurrects him and just I don't know gives him a bionic arm and makes him murder murder Sith Lords I don't know just feels like that's the kind of thing they're they're interested the series is interested in and I just really hope we don't get to that point I don't know what I hope to see in the franchise for Star Wars I'm I think some of the TV stuff really works, but my worry about it being a purely TV uh, franchise is that it, it makes it a smaller thing for me. It makes it smaller. I would love more films. I would love another trilogy, but I'm not sure what form that can take. I really think there are so many stories to be told in Star Wars that are not being told. I think it's a universe of characters and of people and it's at its most exciting when it embraces that aspect of it. And at times, it, it doesn't. But, yeah, I'm not sure where the future will go. I'm curious of things like Obi-Wan Kenobi, of all the various TV shows they've announced, of the films they've kind of teased, and so on and so forth. But I would just like a surprise. I would like a film that's a surprise, that kind of takes aspects of star wars and takes off in a new direction the thing about the original star wars is that it was borrowing liberally from all these genres and all these previous stories there's not a great deal of originality to star wars at times but it's that it blends it all together 
in its own vision. That's kind of what I I would love them to do. But I don't think they will because it's a massive franchise. They've got to go for something that resembles the safest uh, path for this series. So yeah, my hope for the future is that, that there's a film released and I go, oh, well, that was interesting. And then I watch it and go, no, oh, that was actually great. I really want a film to watch a film that I go first, that was interesting. And then second time I go, that was great. And I don't think I felt that since Rogue One. I don't really think of it with The Last Jedi. I think The Last Jedi's got some interesting stuff to it, but I also think there's some stuff that doesn't work for me about it. And as I say, I've never been back to Rise of the Skywalker, so maybe I'll think that. Maybe I'll be like... I'll go from thinking it's a mess to thinking it's great, but, you know, I will always love Star Wars. Star Wars will always be something that I go off and watch all the time. I kind of want to go off and watch one of them now. Maybe I'll go off and watch Rogue One or Empire Strikes Back or even crack open the prequels and finally give those another revisit because there's some really cool moments of those. Yeah, Star Wars rocks. I want to see Star Wars go in new directions. I want to, you know, to coin a phrase, I want it to boldly go where it hasn't gone before. I would like to see more of the worlds that some of these characters come from. I would like to explore some of the things that have just been hinted at. I'd like to go into maybe ancient history or into the future of Star Wars. I'd like it to just be a bit more daring and explore more and, and not feel tethered to just this one kind of point in time. You know, I'd like to see an adventure that doesn't at any point go to Tatooine. There's an idea. I just want it to expand and not feel constrained by what's been done already. Um, I think that's the thing that will keep it alive. I think, like, to echo what you said earlier, I think that a less is more approach I would like to see in terms of the amount that they're putting out. Yeah. I have enjoyed The Mandalorian for the most part. I quite I, I quite liked Book of Boba Fett as well, and I am looking forward to Obi-Wan Kenobi. But uh, that that is, uh, like, three TV shows that have all come out quite spaced to each other, and we've still got Andor coming, and we've still got the third season of Mandalorians already mm -hmm. in the can, and there's a lot of TV shows particularly lined up, and it can feel like it gets a little exhausting sometimes to be like, okay, I have to go watch this yeah if i want to keep keep abreast yeah. of uh, this yeah. thing that i enjoy <laughs> but yeah. uh, and, and like that's when things you can start kind of slightly falling out of love with something when you, it starts to feel like a bit of a bit of ho homework to have to keep up with it that's when it starts yeah. diluting the fun of it um yeah. so yeah i think a less is more approach and uh just uh yeah just keep in mind that yeah like this sense of anticipation is why people kind of yeah. love these things and also why they're successful 100%. <laughs> i agree with everything you said and would also add uh just be brave enough to not pander to us we're getting older now we we've got our star wars anything new yeah. that you make be, be, be brave enough to just make it for kids for the kids and the new fans you know make yeah. make make new designs and make new motifs and new adventures do not feel the need to please us and our parents and our parents parents mm. you know we're older now we've got what we want we've got our stuff it's fine it's cool yeah just look onto the future have fun with your space wizards <laughs> i'd love to see an expansion on the world outside of uh the skywalker saga and Somewhat, we started to see that with The Mandalorian a little bit, and we got that 
more with Rogue One to some degree as well, but everything still kind of ties all together. But it was nice to see these other other planets, other worlds, other characters. I want to see more building. You know, we don't have to have everything revolve around uh, Luke Skywalker and his saga. You know, I'd like to see some of the, the Clone Wars aspect and, and Rebels, like some of that coming into play, especially in live action. I, you know, and I, I would just like to see an expansion on everything. You know, we could do earlier stories. We can do future stories. You know, where are we going to go from here after the rise of Skywalker? You know, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where, where this franchise goes from here. So let's talk about some of Star Wars' problems. I mean, right now, I feel like the main problem with the new era is that it just keeps going back. It's going back to Tatooine. It's going back to the Skywalker family. It's going back to all these characters we know. And it's such a big galaxy, guys. It's a huge, it's a vast canvas to paint with there. And we're just like, keep going back to this little corner. Let's let's fill in the rest of the canvas. Let's get back to the High Republic. Let's tell the story of Mandalore without Luke being involved. Let's see some bounty hunters just doing bounty hunter stuff without getting tied up into the whole galactic battle. I mean, of course, there's going to be some stars and some wars, and that's all you need. That's all you need. Some stars and some wars, and you're good. So that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm hoping Star Wars will eventually get to, that we'll get away from it. I mean, the Mandalorian was, was was really good, and it looked like it was getting away from it. And sure, they were bringing in stuff from the Clone Wars, but yeah, I mean, they were doing it pretty well. And then it just U-turned right back into Luke's creepy CGI-faced arms. So, you know, let's let's break away from that. Let's get out of that rancor pit of nostalgia porn, and let's tell some brand new stories that will suck my kids in the way the original trilogy sucked me in. And I will sit there right next to them and eat it all up with them because... The Force is with us all. May the Force be with you guys. Uh, in the future, I, I hope that they do something like like Knights of the Old Republic, where not not specifically Knights of the Old Republic, but I want them to to take these elements of you know the Force and and the Jedi and smugglers and and all that, and I want I want to see them take those elements and create something new like i i that's i think that's why i like star wars visions so much where it doesn't have to literally be in universe um it can take those things and, and make it make a new thing because if if you're constantly like you don't have to constantly return to tatooine and you don't have to that that makes everything feel smaller like star wars is big and star wars is grand and star wars is an event and i hope that I hope the series eventually gets back to theaters because I think that is I think that's that's where it belongs and it's it's always exciting to step into the theater and then you know see a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and then just be swept up in swept up in it. In my mind, I think maybe they need to let the movies rest for a while. Stop trying to rush in random spin-offs into production. Um the powers that be keep crushing filmmakers visions anyway. Um Hello, Solo. <laughs> um, either, you know, move it all over to TV for the foreseeable and have fun weekly adventures with that sweet, sweet Disney money. Um, but, you know, for, for God's sake, explore the galaxy, move away from sand planets, stop filling the gaps. New characters, new stories, please. 
um, stop resurrecting hideous CG young Luke and create new heroes for us to love. Um, they got that so right with Ray and Finn, um, and then just didn't really know what to do with them beyond um, beyond the Last Jedi. I think Finn, even in the Last Jedi, probably. Um, but yeah, fan backlash has made them so reticent to try anything new again, and I think that's a real shame. Whereas now, you can just do the lowest common denominator basic move of just, oh, here, here's, here's Luke as you remember him from when you were a kid, doing Luke stuff next to Ahsoka, who you know from your your other shows, and here's a mini Yoda, you know. I'm sounding really cynical now. Like, I do, <laughs> as I said, I love The Mandalorian, but I think the way... Book of Boba Fett kind of slowly morphed away from bothering to tell a story within its own um, confines and with its own characters to just becoming generic Star Wars everything show. Shows that they don't really have a vision or a story to tell. So I hope they work that out, basically. Um, you know, they could stop everything for a while and then return after a break with, with a new movie series separate from the Skywalker saga. That could be good. I want to see them remake Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, or just no. all three. Just just start that again. <laughs> no, because Force Awakens is so good. And I like Last Jedi. Is Force Awakens so good because we were so happy that Star Wars was back? Or is it actually good? I've never been able to answer that question. It, it does a bit of everything. I think because I've seen it with people that are not Star Wars fans and they think it's great because it is, it is fun. Uh, and everyone brings their A game, you know, the John Boyega at that point is Yeah. Is, John is great. Right. And actually I'd like to see him get his own story and yeah. actually tell me what he was gonna tell. Finn and Poe's relationship is the best thing about the, the that those all all three of those essentially. That developing relationship. Yeah. I'd like to see Poe get more Yeah. Um, I'd like to know time. what it was that Finn's trying to tell Ray that they never actually get saying. to. Yeah. Oh, come on. Answer some bloody questions, will ya? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd like to see certain characters get uh, their stories mm. actually told a bit more. Um, I'd like the adventures of Finn and Poe, please. I think that would be fun yeah. if they did a TV if they TV series. Mm. That should be the way they go and actually give, you know, because um, the idea of a stormtrooper that's gone good is is a good one. And at some point during the Last Jedi, that's kind of just forgotten. Yeah, and Gen- um, General Phasma as well. I'd like. To- a bit more of her, really. Oh, that was, yeah. Because that was all a bit stupid. <laughs> like, <It's... laughs> just well, you know. a lot of choices there, especially in that. Yeah. Yeah, third one. Yeah. In terms of what I hope to see from the franchise in the future, I mean, just more, more of it, more stories that go beyond the Skywalker saga take us to new times to new places to be with new characters there's been some amazing stuff in the high republic books uh, as of as as of late which is exploring you know hundreds of years before the prequel series new characters new philosophies on the force um maybe i'd like to see some high republic representation in whether it's tv series or films um, and just, you know, new voices telling new stories in new genres, Star Wars continuing to go to that galaxy far, far away and open our minds to the great array of experiences and ideas that 
fantasy storytelling offers or sci-fi storytelling offers. Um, so if there's anything that I hope to see from the franchise, it's just its continuation and the the passion that created it, I hope, continues to fuel it. I hope it doesn't lapse into being a simple exercise in rehashing old plot lines or bringing back specific characters to to satiate fans. I hope it continues to be daring and bold and original because the the unexpected is the best parts of Star Wars. I think the answer here is less is more. I know they want to make more money out of it. They're never going to stop, but just I think they need to cool it a little bit and just turn it down and not be afraid if they are going to keep on doing more which i'm sure they will to actually divorce themselves a lot more from the original stories and so on um and not to try and delve quite so much and tie in so much with the original stories because it just gets messy in the end i hope that it refines its footing i hope that it goes back to its roots i hope that it can regain that some semblance of the of the spark that it once had, the soul that it was just burning with passion and fire and excitement that attracted so many people of all ages from around the world. That has gone out. I think Star Wars needs to be loved again, but it needs to give us a reason to love it. At this point, we're just left with a few great films of nostalgia from our childhood. And outside of that, maybe a few video games or books here or there that were noteworthy. On the whole, though, Star Wars today is just kind of eh, which is really depressing, to be honest with you. So what I would hope um, for Disney to canonically erase the sequel trilogy from canon um, and to either start again or just let Return of the Jedi be the very last film, as it should be, and... And let any offshoots that come up be taking place, you know, years after episode six or years before episode one, dealing with characters we haven't seen before. And that's partly what they've been doing with some of their television shows. And I think that's why, in some ways, their shows have been of higher quality than the movies. I think the movies were so overtly conscious of the shadow they were existing in of the original trilogy that um, they tried too hard or not hard enough. And either way you want to look at it, um, they, they fell on their face, sadly. So, yeah, I will never stop being a Star Wars fan, and I will um, always hope for the best. And so I think we can all agree, whatever happens with Star Wars, there'll always be plenty of us waiting with bated breath to see what they do next. I, for one, certainly echo the sentiments of my guests. I hope to see more of this incredible universe expanded, whether it's in TV, whether it's in film, even video games, whatever they do with it. I just want more of it. And I'm sure that you guys listening feel the same way too. A massive thank you once again to each and every one of my wonderful guests for coming onto the podcast and sharing your love of all things Star Wars. I'm very proud to say that each and every one of those wonderful people that you heard from in this episode has their very own dedicated episode on this podcast feed. So if you haven't already heard them, please make sure you go back and have a listen. And in each of those episodes, you'll also find links to their own creative works. As you would have heard from the top, most of these guys have their own podcasts or creative platforms, all of which are well worth 
checking out. As ever, I'd like to give a big thank you as well to the resident artist for the podcast, Alex, who designs the fantastic artwork for this podcast. If you like the look of the logo, his details will be in the show notes. You can go and commission him for your very own artwork if you so desire. Finally, I'd like to give my biggest thank you to you, dear listener, for checking out this episode of the podcast. If this is your first ever episode of Fundamentals, well, thank you so much for checking it out. Make sure you stay tuned for the more episodes that are coming up soon and have a look through the back catalogue of the incredible guests and topics that have been on this very podcast feed. If you like what you heard and you want to go that one step further to supporting the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do it. Chiefly, the main one is just tell people. I don't mind how you do it personally if you want to do it through word of mouth. If you want to put it on social media, you can tag me if you do that. That's an added bonus. Or if you just want to leave a lovely five-star review on your favorite podcatcher. However you choose to do it, it is greatly appreciated. It goes a long way to supporting the podcast and getting it out to as many people as possible. You can also support the podcast financially by going through the official Tee Public store of the podcast, which features the amazing artwork by Alex on, well, just about anything you can think of, really. All of my social media links are also in the show notes if you want to let me know that you've bought something or left a review or just what you think of the podcast. Either way, I would love to hear from you. Right, that's enough from me. I'll be back again in a few weeks' time with a completely different guest on a completely different topic. So until next time, take care and may the force be with you.